You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to day number nine of our nine days of the 2018-19 91st Academy Awards. Uh, We covered all the Best Picture nominees eight days in a row. And as we said 24 hours ago, we are coming to you for a preview episode of everything of the Oscars, as we're now probably about 24 hours away maybe from... Uh, the Academy Awards, maybe not 24 hours away from the start of the awards. We're at least 24 hours away from the start of the red carpet, which means we're about 72 hours away from the start of the Academy Awards by my math. Um, one thing we can guarantee is that uh, it's not going to be a long award show. <laughs> so let's try to keep this episode around the running time of this year's Oscars. So I don't know. What do you think? We're going to go with the 60-minute rule? It sounds about right. I thought you were about to say like eight um, hours. Like, Jesus Christ, I'm not prepared yeah. for that. <laughs> Uh, we're going to, I guess, cover our rankings at some point of all the Best Picture nominees in this episode. Uh, we're going to give our personal favorites that maybe didn't even make the cut. And we're going to go through all the categories, give our predictions, and then you can follow along with us on Twitter as we mock each other every time one of us got one right and the other one got it wrong. <laughs> so let's get into it. My name is Colin, and I just consider myself lucky to be introducing myself during the show and not the commercial break. And my name is Ben, and I'm still available to host the Oscars. Uh, we know who's not available, and that is Kevin Hart. <laughs> They've gone back and forth. And also not available, Whoopi Goldberg Aww. or Billy Chris. Wonder Whoopi! Um, I, th- I think they even reached out to James Franco and Anne Hathaway at some oh, point. Jesus. They also are unavailable. Wow. So maybe before we even get into the award show itself, let's just touch on some of the, I guess, big stories surrounding this year's awards. One being, we've mentioned it briefly, but the fact that this is going to be the first time in... 30 years or i guess technically 29 years that we have not had a host for the oscars and i don't know how much this will matter um but it should also be noted i guess this is the big thing that's going around on the internet is that uh the most i guess panned oscar show of all time was the 1989 or the awards for 1989 i think they aired in 90 uh which went without a host and they just had a bunch of dumb skits and musical numbers where Rob Lowe danced with Snow White. <laughs> um, it was pretty much the most pan show ever. And I, I used to have this book. Uh, I got it when I was maybe like when I started getting really into becoming a big movie buff, like around 16, maybe uh, I think for my birthday one year, um, somebody got me like my mom or one of my siblings got me this book that I had seen at the store, which was like the entire history of the Academy Awards. And what it did was it ran through all of the, uh, award shows, mostly covering, well, these were the nominees and the winners, but they'd give commentary on the award show itself. Like, somebody actually went back and watched all these things. And I just remember hearing about that and then watching it on YouTube. And the 89 Oscars really was that bad. <laughs> now, I don't know if we're going to end up, because this all came very late. That's the other problem. I mean, what was it, maybe six weeks ago? If that, Kevin Hart was still slated to be the host. And then they were kind of back and forth. Well, maybe host, maybe we'll find another one. Uh, I don't know, but I think that an award show takes longer than four to six weeks to prepare for. So are we just going to get a show that's thrown together last minute? The 89 Oscars that were panned had preparation where they knew there was no host from the beginning. And this time, what are we Are we going to get, you know, presenters coming out and delivering Kevin Hart jokes? Um, <laughs> are we going to get, I don't know, Rob Lowe dancing with Elsa? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's so many great possibilities, but how do you feel about not having a host. I don't understand how it's possible that you can't find mm. someone. I mean, it's just, we've talked a lot about 
everyone being so safe and worried about things that can cost people awards and stuff like that. It's, it's just we're literally at peak political correctness that everybody in Hollywood has done something to offend or that will do something that you can't host because... I mean, I think the last two years have been, I think Jimmy Kimmel was a good host. Um, I don't know if he's come out and said why he's not doing it again. I don't know. Um, I mean, gosh, there, how many people out there are there that are able to host an award show? And I realize the Academy Awards are the peak of this, but you look at who they have for some of these award shows and think, well, why couldn't they transition across into the Oscars? And it's just, it, it baffles me that they cannot find a replacement. I remember, well, Eddie Murphy was slated to host one in the last 10 years and he pulled out and they found a replacement pretty quickly. Um, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. And it just, it, it amazes me that they haven't found someone. And even like you joke about like Whoopi Goldberg, Billy Crystal, you know, people who have hosted in the past, like Ellen was, you know, gone down as a great host and gosh, get David Letterman back. He went down as one of the worst hosts of all time. Yeah. But how is it possible? that you cannot find someone to host these or are you too scared to get someone to to host the awards? I just, I don't know if there's been a clear-cut explanation from the Academy saying why we haven't gotten a host. And it, I don't know how I feel about it because in Australia we have our TV awards called the Logies and growing up there was always a host and, you know, there was always the same thing every year, like who's going to host it and, oh, they were good, they were bad. And probably in the last five or so years, you just haven't had hosts and it, it misses something. Like it, it lacks something from an award show when you don't have a host. So yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not sure how I feel about it because I think it's going to ruin it. I think you need a host yeah. for the Oscars and I, it's just going to be odd. I mean, the other topic would also be the fact that they're saying this is going to be like a shorter running time that it'll, they're guessing it's going to be one of the shortest Oscars in history, at least of like the televised era. And that could simply be like there. There are so many criticisms going around right now for that, even where they're saying, well, you know, they're they're trying too hard to appeal to people. And they think by having I just read an article like 10 minutes ago where I say they're trying too hard to appeal to people. And they think that people don't want to watch long award shows. But yet the longest award shows like the year that Return of the King won. I think it was like almost five hours and that was like one of the best rated shows they've had but it's not a thing about them trying to appeal to anybody they lost their host and if you think about it a monologue runs for what 10 minutes mm-hmm. so even if you even if the host only has like 30 seconds you know things in in and out of commercial breaks the monologue itself you just trim 20 minutes off of the show and i doubt they have any big musical number or anything like that that's going to uh uh, fill that time and also th- there are so many other things like this is the year where the academy is just flip-flopping on everything you know they said we're gonna have the uh the the most popular movie award and then there's criticism for that so they said well we're not gonna do it um they you know had the host thing and they said well we're not gonna have a host but then there was talk oh we're looking for a potential replacement host this is just like fly by the seat of your pants awards and if you eliminate the host, yeah, the running time comes down. So I don't think that's a big controversy or any massive decision. I think that's just logical. That's what's going to happen. You've lost a big chunk of your show. But I would look forward to, even in a year where there was a bad host, uh, I look forward to the monologue. I, I remember watching the David Letterman one. <laughs> and whereas everybody else criticized it, the whole Uma Oprah thing, <laughs> to me, I'm like, this is great. <laughs> and I remember that. I don't remember anything else from that year. But I remember that. So, yeah, I mean, losing the monologue, because the monologue is the opportunity where you can talk about all those things. When when they say, well, the Oscars don't appeal to your casual moviegoers because they just nominate all these art house movies. 
the host can sit there and make jokes about all the things that the audience is going to know about. And it's just, uh, they're going to be missing so much this year. This is the first year where I, I honestly don't even know what we're getting. Like, is this going to be a completely different show? Are they going to, they're going to be eliminating awards. Maybe some songs won't be there. And we still haven't gotten concrete decisions on even those things yet. It just seems that a host is kind of that person who bridges the gap between, oh, these are just all arty-farty movies and, you know, social commentary mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, going back to what I was saying about Jimmy Kimmel, like, you have these, you know, funny skits where he's bringing, like, a tour of something inside and all of a sudden you bring all these celebrities. Oh, yeah. Just random things <laughs> like that. And I just think, like, stuff like that's hilarious. And go back to when Ellen took that selfie that, you know, until only recently mm-hmm. was the most tweeted tweet in the history of tweets. Uh, and just mm-hmm. random little things like that. And I think... It's. I feel it's It's all down to the fact of what happened a few years ago with the whole Moonlight La La Land situation, that they're so panicky yeah. that shit's going to go wrong, that they're just, you know, as you were saying, they backtrack on things. They announce something and they backtrack on I mean, three things, basically, between the most popular uh, movie, the host, and now the whole, oh, we're going to shove some of these categories in the ad breaks. Oh, no, no, we're, no, we're not. Um, it's... And it, a lot of it also comes down because it wasn't last year the worst rated Oscars in history or something like that as well. So yeah. it's always a panic because of the ratings. But like you, I think you said it well when you said that they think people don't want to watch long long award shows. I don't give a fuck how long these go for. I'm going to watch them. Um, and yeah. I think the, the true fans of these types of things will watch them no matter how long they go for. And, you know, we do live in a day and age of ratings and things like that where it's not just purely down to who's watching it live. There's, uh, you know, people watch it on catch-up and things like that, and it's just, it's an odd thing. And, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to go either. And without having a host, <clears throat> what are you going to be talking about the next day, like when you're covering the highlights of the show? If so, nobody has, like, a really memorable acceptance speech like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon <laughs> or Roberto Benigni... I mean, the the talk usually after these Oscar shows, can you believe what, uh, you know, this person said or did? Like you mentioned, like the, the, the picture or Jimmy Kimmel bringing uh, the moviegoers into the theater. It's just it feels like this is going to be a show where it's just let's hand out awards. And then that makes it even more confusing when they tried to make the decision again last minute. How flying by the seat of your pants is this when it was maybe, what, a week ago, two weeks ago, tops where they said, we're going to be having a handful of categories handed out in between breaks. And A, that is, I, I agree with, you know, like Alfonso Crone, who I think was the, the big crit- or critic, and also even George Clooney was another one. Like, this is basically a slap in the face. And I there are other awards. We watch the Grammys. I mean, the Grammys oh, got like will come back from commercial break and be like, in the... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, in the spoken word by a Norwegian artist, you know, the award went to. uh, But that's because they have a million categories. I mean, let's be honest, the Oscars don't have so many categories that they need to be shoving things into commercial breaks. And if you are going to... Uh, Sorry. Uh, (laughs) um, It's really making me hot here. (laughs) Get a gassy! (laughs) That's why the Oz Network never wins an Oscar, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That's why we'll never be host. But if we had done that on the air, people would be talking about it tomorrow, okay? But like, okay, they said they were going to do live action short subject. If there's going to be anything that's relegated to a commercial break, maybe the animated short film, the live action short film, uh, because they're awards that are a standalone award. It's not eligible for anything else. Those make sense. It was the fact they said cinematography and editing, which when you go through the 
technical categories as they're considered, uh, how is editing somehow less exciting or, or cinematography less exciting than sound mixing mm. or makeup and hair design? It's just, I don't know why those ones were singled out, and I'm glad they did backtrack on it. But here's, here's my first exposure to the Oscars, and this is why I think these categories are great. I remember the first one I watched was... Um, I'm trying to even think what won Best Picture that year. The only thing I remembered was um, the movie City Slickers. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah, that was like in the early 90s. With Jack Palance. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a Billy Crystal comedy, and Jack Palance in his Billy Crystal movie won Supporting Actor, and that was like one of the big upsets where it's like, well, you wouldn't expect them to award a movie like this, let alone you know an acting award in a Billy Crystal comedy. And that was the first award show I watched. And I remember watching it. I was too young to really know what any of these movies were. And my brother and I were sitting there watching it, and every single category that came up, we'd hear them read the nominees, and we'd say, I'm picking this one. We wouldn't know what the movie we were picking was, but it became a competition with us. That's what's fun for people. That's why, you know, everywhere I go, they'll have, like, a contest. Every time you go to a movie theater or, in the old days, a video store, fill out your Oscar ballot, and you'd pick all the categories. You know that nobody's going to know half these things, but it's it's like a competition for people at home. Are you going to guess the winner? And when you get cinematography and editing, those are things people can actually make an informed decision on and say, well, I know this movie looked great. Uh, I know that this movie uh, had a great pacing and and everything. Those two categories alone, like, why were those the ones chosen? Mm. Yeah, and like you were saying about, like, documentary shorts, like, I mean, no, no disrespect to people who make short documentaries, but, um, I mean... We we talked about watching other things and kind of, you know, doing that in the lead up to this episode. And I think I mentioned that documentary shorts were all available online. I don't think we did our homework. Like, I mean, maybe you did. I don't know. But, like, yeah. live action short and, and animated shorts. Like, I know in Australia growing up, you know, often it would all be all in the media because the Australian nominees for a large portion of time would only ever be in the technical categories. And then there was a, an Australian one. I think it was Harvey Crumpet in, like, 2001, 2002. I can't remember what year it was. But it won animated short. And it was a huge news, like, oh, Australia's won an Oscar, yay! And it's like, that's the only ever time I ever feel I've ever been excited or have been exposed to the world of animated short. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think kind of the ones that they chose to shove in the ad breaks were just, it was rightfully so why you had such a backlash. And, I mean... I was reading an article the other day about kind of, you know, they go out of their way to do this and then, you know, then there are certain categories like why we've never had a best stunt Oscar, you know, things like that. Like yeah. other other ones as well. But yeah, I mean, who who is the president of the Academy these days? Is it Donald Trump? Like, is that why we're kind of having so many <laughs> stupid decisions all the time? I mean, it was Kevin Hart. Nah, they let him go. Probably Kevin Spacey as well <laughs> since he's gone. Like the <laughs> Kevin thing. Put Kevin Bacon in control. Get the right Kevin in control. You know, just to go along with the theme of what the Academy is trying to do this year, before we even move on to our predictions, let's just get out of the way. What's your pick for live-action short film? Detainment, Fav, Marguerite, Mother, or Skin? Oh, well, it's hands down Marguerite. I mean, God, that's just a dumb question, uh, Colin. It has to win. Like, have you seen it? Well. It's amazing. Well, <laughs> I'm going with Mother because even the voters won't watch these things, <laughs> and everybody has a mother, so it's the only thing they could identify with. Well, I guess everybody has skin. Yeah. That's That could go too, but I'm picking mother. You're picking mother. All right, so you're going with the energy drink. I'm going with the French word. Okay, fair enough. Um, that is French, right? Marguerite? <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's click on it. Uh, apparently, mother is a Spanish short film. No. Marguerite's Canadian. Oh, oh Colin! <laughs> Okay, if I'm wrong, I'll be happy that you won. <laughs> if this is the deciding factor, shame on me. 
Uh, well, so let's say French, yes, because it is Canadian. Yes. Um, it, it, wouldn't it be great if this entire ceremony plays out and they don't have anything commercial breaks, but because it's fly by the seat of your pants, we just come back at some point halfway through the show and they're like, during the commercial break, we awarded the most popular film too. <laughs> People are like, yeah, there you go. Um, do we have anything else to really talk about as far as newsworthy things before we get into predictions and everything here? Um, I know now that I can watch the Academy Awards in New Zealand. Uh, thank you. Yes, it actually... Yeah, it is. To one of the two channels in this country, they will be showing it live. Um, I will have to be at work, sadly, but I'm going to try and watch it, at least in the background. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was a bit worried there for a moment that this country doesn't show the Oscars, but they do. So, go New Zealand. Do you uh, watch the red carpet stuff as well? Oh. I mean, I don't know if they'll have it on there, but have you watched it in the past? I have in the past, but, I mean, it's like... I mean, some might argue the Oscars are kind of the same every year. I mean, what, the red carpet doesn't change. It's like, oh, here's somebody in a dress. Oh, look at this dress. Oh, Lord, how are you feeling tonight? This, that, and everything else. And that's kind of something I feel you can just read an article about later because you're always going to have one person's going to say something to stand up against some cause or, you know, someone's going to wear a swan to the uh, to the Oscars. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not that into fashion. Is Mallory going to watch it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I think Mallory kind of got over the Oscars because she just hated most of these films that we watched. <laughs> I know that Jamie usually makes me watch the red carpet stuff because she likes all the fashion things. And then when the awards come on, she's just on her phone as I'm like, oh, look at that. I guessed another one right. And she's like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> we should do um, Jamie predictions and Mallory predictions. Like, what color dress will Lady Gaga wear? Oh, red. I told you. There it is. <laughs> Uh, I'm predicting she's coming out of Swan. So if I win, <laughs> no, she's, she's going back to the meat I'm the dress fashion. in meat dress in the egg. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she's doing. Uh, let's start off, I guess, with the supporting categories because uh, these typically are the ones that are handed out very early in the show, or like uh, I, I guess almost always the first ones handed out, which makes sense because you want to have something that the you know audience at home is going to recognize, you know, who it is. Um, so supporting actor, uh, and as we go through this, is we'll also say. I've watched every single, I, I believe, all of the major movies here uh, that are nominated in, in pretty much every category outside of, like, the standalone ones, like Documentary Short and all those. But um, uh, you've seen, what, two of these? So we can kind of give our opinions I that watched we haven't the wife. reviewed. That was the only one that I went you out of my wife. way to, uh, to, <laughs> to watch the show. And I was going to watch the other. I got all the other ones. I just didn't watch them. So sorry, teacher, I didn't do my homework. Well, I mean, I don't. I'm not up on the animated movies. I'll, I'll explain my reason why when we get to the animated, you hate movies. animated but, movies. But, uh, I, <laughs> um, but I, I have seen. I believe all the other ones here, except for Cold War. Cold War was very hard for me to come by. So, Cold War is the only thing I won't really have an opinion on. But uh, this category, we got, well, obviously, we already talked about Green Book. So, Mahershala Ali nominated for Green Book. Um, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott for Five Minutes in a Star is Born, <laughs> Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell for, I don't know, a minute and a half of Vice. Uh, it's not exactly a stacked category. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think this is just, it's, I would say a two-person race, but maybe three. Um, Mahershala Ali won, what was it, only two years ago for Moonlight, maybe three years ago. Uh Adam Driver, obviously, is the first nomination. Those are, I guess, the two front runners. 
Uh, but Richard E. Grant's getting a lot of praise, too. And I, I will say I have seen Can You Ever Forgive Me? I'll give more opinions on it when we get to the actress category. Uh, more than anything, I just feel like Richard E. Grant is, gave the most entertaining performance that probably anybody gave this year. Like, he's just a blast to watch in the movie. And I've been hearing a lot more support for him lately. I don't think it's a great movie, uh, but I think that he stands out. And I think it's it's kind of a two-performance movie. He could end up being the surprise win. Uh, I'm really torn on this one. I think I, I think that it might be hard for Mahershal Ali to win since he did win two years ago, although Stranger Things have happened. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say Richard E. Grant's taking it. Wow. Two, uh, two Star Wars actors in this one, because Richard E. Grant's about to be in episode nine, isn't he? So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would love nothing more to see Adam Driver win, uh, just because... Yeah. That would be my personal pick. Yeah. I thought he was better than anybody I've seen. Well, because I lost this last year. I lost our predictions last year. I, I don't think by much. I think we were very close last year. But um, it's like one. <laughs> yeah, uh, those damn live action short films ruining us again. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to play it safe in a lot of these categories. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Mahershala Ali. He is the favourite. I'm looking here at the odds. I, sh- I don't know if that's cheating me looking at the odds or not. But um, he. Yeah, I, I feel that, yes, he did win it a couple of years ago, um, but I feel that, um, you know, Christoph Waltz did that, didn't he? Didn't he win two and three years? I know he's the same director and everything too, but uh, same character really, wasn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to go Mahershala Ali. I mean, out of the ones, the only one I haven't seen is Richard E. Grant, so I can't really comment too much on it. But, uh, you know, personally, I'd like to see Adam Driver win it, but I'm going to go with Mahershala Ali. Yeah. I also really did enjoy his uh, portrayal of, of Don Shirley, so, yeah. It's it's also weird because this year, I think a supporting actor tends to be my favorite category because it's the one where you're always like, every single one of those performances was just dynamite. And this year, because you, you've pigeonholed Sam Elliott and Sam Rockwell in there for these roles that are cameos, and you, know, it, I did a little bit of research after last week when we were saying, you know, people who have the least amount of screen time, and I think I said that Judy Dench, uh, well, for lead actors, you know, Anthony Hopkins has it because it's less than 15 minutes of screen time or something for lead actor. But for supporting Judy Dench, it was a big deal that she won for, I said, 11 minutes. It was actually eight minutes because I found an article wow. that ranked who had the most. And uh, the least amount of screen time everybody anybody ever had for an acting nomination was about two minutes and 40 seconds. Was it Meryl Streep? So, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know that when she makes a cameo in two minutes and 40 seconds of whatever it is, Mamma Mia 3, she will be nominated. Uh, it, I guess it's not that unusual, but most of the movies I was looking up on there were much older movies. And I think this, again, just along with what everything we're saying about how how bad this year is, you know, I had no problem with Sam Elliott and Sam Rockwell. Maybe if you'd given them well, Sam Elliott, if you'd given him more screen time, he'd totally belong here. Sam Rockwell is like sticks out like a sore thumb because there is nothing deep about that performance. It is nothing more than just a very brief cameo that's an impression. So Mahershala Ali and Adam Driver are almost more like leading actors as far as I'm concerned because I think that Black Klansman, it's really Washington and Driver like split almost 50-50. And same thing with Green Book. Like Ali and Mortensen are almost sharing the screen time. I think the only reason that Mahershala Ali ends up as a supporting actor as opposed to lead is because Viggo Mortensen just talks nonstop in that movie. He's a motor mouth, so he's obviously got more dialogue. But it, this just feels like such a disappointing year. We got two performances that like barely were there, and then two that maybe could have been lead. It's just bizarre. And still, I'm just 
hashtag justice for Brolin, the fact that uh, if we're talking about great performances of George W. Bush on screen, that uh, the fact that Josh Brolin didn't even get a nomination for W, yet Sam Rockwell's getting one for this, uh, it's a travesty. So I love you, Sam Rockwell. I'm glad you won last year. You won an Oscar last year, but yeah, no, you shouldn't have been nominated for this. Um, supporting actress, this one's even worse as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Amy Adams for Vice, Marina de Tavira for Roma, uh, that was the mother character in Roma. Right. Uh, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. Emma Stone for The Favorite and Rachel Weisz for The Favorite. I mean, my personal pick in here, my personal favorite would be Rachel Weisz because that was the only performance that I actually really liked here where I thought this is award-worthy. I, Amy Adams is almost like, I wouldn't go to the Bradley Cooper level because I've never had a reason to dislike her, but she's kind of like a Bradley Cooper for me in that I never get excited for Amy Adams in a movie. Even when she's good, I'm sort of like, I don't want to give her as much credit but there are also a lot of times where you think she's so average, and I think this is one of the weakest performances I've ever seen her in. Uh, Emma Stone, I could care less, although I think this is better than La La Land for her. The obvious choice in this one, I think, is Regina King, because she's getting all the praise. And having watched If Beale Street Could Talk, just calling a bit on the movie, I thought it, it was one of these movies that was way more style over substance, because it was from the same director who made Moonlight a couple years ago. And Moonlight was not my favorite movie that year. Um, I think it was my second last in my best pictures, but I still thought it was a great movie. You know, La La Land was the worst, <laughs> and I was happy when Moonlight won, obviously, even though it was my second least favorite that year. But that movie was sort of like substance over style. And If Beale Street Could Talk is like all style, all flash. It's a movie that's great to look at, but a lot of the performances don't really click in the movie. And Regina King, this is sort of like a Sam Elliott, Sam Rockwell thing. Like, she's barely in the movie, and it seems like all the support she's getting is for one really big scene, but maybe because the movie itself didn't really always click for me, I didn't even love that scene that much. I, I, I finished the movie just thinking, I don't understand why there's such a big deal about her performance, but then I look at the rest of this category, and I'm like, well, I guess, you know, the lesser of five evils here or whatever. It's not a bad performance. I mean, I love that we got a 24 actor here who's probably <laughs> going to walk away with an Oscar. Um, she, I think she's a lock almost for this, at least as far as I'm concerned. But I wasn't like wowed by the performance. And maybe, again, that just has to do with the fact that it's such a small role in the movie. It's one of the biggest discrepancies in terms of the favoritism, I think, in the acting categories um, and categories in general. I think... The only other category that has a bigger discrepancy between the favourite and number two is Best Actress. Um, so, yeah, look, I didn't make it through the favourite. Uh, <laughs> Vice, yeah, I agree with you. It's not Amy Adams' best ever. It took me a while to even realise it was Amy Adams. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad you pointed out that it was... Did you say it was the mother in Roma? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and I haven't seen If Bill Shriek Could Talk. Uh, so, yeah, look, I love Regina King. This is just going to be one of those ones where I go for somebody who I like the best. I mean, I like... I don't dislike Amy Adams. She's kind of there. I like Rachel Weisz, Emma Stone, give or take, depends on the movie. And I just really like Regina King because she's in 24 and she's also in Southland and everything I've seen Regina King in, she's been great. So, yeah, I'm I'm going for King as well. Did you see Jerry Maguire? No, I've never seen Jerry Maguire. I'm so- oh, you got to see. I know. Okay. That was, I guarantee it was the first thing I ever saw her and it may be like the first major role she ever had. And every time I see her to this day, like even when she was on 24, I would always see her as Cuba Gooding Jr.'s wife from Jerry Maguire because that's one of those movies where it's like everybody who's in that movie steals every scene. 
but I would make an argument that she should have gotten nominated for an Oscar for Jerry Maguire. Like, she's so good in Jerry Maguire, and maybe that's part of the problem. Just like it, it just doesn't hold up versus the other ones. Um, let's get it out of the way. Uh, animated short film. Oh God! Finally, Animal- I've just been waiting forever. <laughs> Animal behavior, bow, uh, late afternoon, one small step, and weekends. Tough Um, category. I, yeah, I'm going to pick one small step because without even knowing what it's about, I am going to assume it was way more entertaining than First Man. (laughs) Um, Well, these are the categories that I think make or break our predictions. So you're a fool, Colin Hilding. I'm definitely going to go... For late afternoon, because what a time of day it is. And is it late afternoon for you right now in New Zealand? It is mid afternoon, nearly late afternoon. <laughs> so, and plus, I have to say, Naria Gonzalez Bianco is due for an Oscar. So, uh, fingers crossed, oh. late afternoon takes it home. And I actually did uh, not look at the uh, the rankings in terms of the uh, favoritism for that one. So, that, I wanted to be completely unsurprised. Does it matter? No. <laughs> the people who make. I mean, people would have to see those movies in order to be able to make an informed decision. Oh, Irish. Late Afternoon is Irish, and One Small Step is Chinese-American. So there you go. Ah. Um, let's get the... I don't want to say the girly categories, but let's be honest. Let's get the girly <laughs> categories out of the way. Costume design and makeup and hair hairstyling. Because these categories are predominantly about, like, the, the period films and... Well, it's almost always period films. Uh, border for makeup and hairstyling. I don't even know what border is. Um, let me click on it quickly. Oh, this actually looks pretty cool. Um, it's a Swedish fantasy film. And the poster, if that is real makeup, deserves to win for makeup. So I'm already making that my pick. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should read the rest of the nominees before settling on something. But uh, Mary Queen of Scots, uh, which <coughs> I think is... I confuse that with a favorite. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I showed Jamie the trailer for both of those movies. And um, when I said that she wanted to see the favorite, it may have been Mary Queen of Scots she wanted to see. (laughs) I can't confirm. And Vice. uh, I think this is easily going to be Vice because Vice is getting so much praise. And even Christian Bale is getting so much praise for be able to like transform him into Dick Cheney. And even you said like you showed this to Mallory and, you know, uh, if I'm like the biggest male Christian Bale fan, Mallory might be the biggest female Christian Bale fan from what I understand. And she had no idea this was him when you showed her the trailer yeah. or the movie or whatever. Uh, and uh, it really is a hard job. I mean, I, I, as much criticism I had for uh, maybe just the over-reliance on a performance for uh, a performance of like a real person with Bohemian Rhapsody, where I think that that doesn't deserve the same amount of credit, which I'll talk about in a bit. Uh, with Vice, I think it's different because y- you... I feel it's harder with a makeup one than it is if you're working with something original, you can make it look like whatever you want. You know, it doesn't matter. For makeup, you have to really make it look like that person. So I think that that, that actually deserves more credit for this. And let's be honest. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say Mary Queen of Scots, Border, if they even know what Border is, deserves to win this. And only three nominees. I mean, we got a one in three chance of getting this. Yeah, I'm going with Vice as well. I'm not even going to separate it because I think like that's going to win it. So I'm going for the safe point. Uh, costume design. Oh, can, I just, can I just want to be here to interrupt you, and I'm going to pull a Natalie Portman here. Here are the five female nominees for best costume design. Where's the representation of men in this category? <laughs> Sexist. Oscar's so female. Well, just costume design, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, 
But this actually isn't a terrible category because there's at least one or two in here that I think are interesting. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which I'll get to talk about a little bit later, uh, which was a Coen Brothers Western anthology movie. Uh, Black Panther, The Favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Mary Queen of Scots again. Hmm. Um, This is a category where it often does go to the period movies. Uh, I love the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, like even just the look of the movie, because every short is so totally different. And if if anybody out there has seen this movie, first of all, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. I don't know. You, you, I kind of got the impression you're not a Coen Brothers fan from last eh. week. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it's still it's an interesting movie because every short they have in there, I think there's six of them, has a completely different feel, and they all have a completely different look too. And even just the costumes, the opening short has a guy coming in dressed as like almost a parody i guess of a 50s 40s 50s movie cowboy so it's got like frilly cowboy shirts and he's so clean and he's singing and all that and he just walks into this town where you know everybody else looks like they're stepped out of a gritty western like true grit and he looks like you know some 50s roy rogers you know this laughable kids cowboy and almost like Marty in Back to the Future 3. You know, he just, he doesn't fit. He's a Hollywood version. And he's saying it's like, he's the most dangerous man there is. And you're looking at all these other like real grizzled cowboys. And then it turns out he really is the most dangerous man there, even though he's singing and riding on a horse and, you know, wearing frilly shirts. Uh, just everything about that movie I love. So I love for that to win. But I think this has to be Black Panther. And I'm not that big on... I guess the the superhero movies getting like everybody's like, well, superhero movies need to start getting more nominations, like for best picture. I mean, for costume design, you're working off of pre existing costumes, but let's be honest, like the costumes in Black Panther looked incredible, partly because they didn't look like superhero costumes. And also the fact that this is a superhero movie where everybody had to look different. It's not like it's just Black Panther who had a costume. I mean, they all do. And I got the differences with the tribes and everything. So I would almost say if there's one category I would be rooting for Black Panther for, I thought the costume design was fantastic in it. And I think this is going to win because I doubt Black Panther is going to pick up any other major awards. And there probably will be a lot of support to we got to give Black Panther something. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I kind of think you're right, but I kind of want to go something different because otherwise we're not going <laughs> to. Um, so fuck it, I'm going to go for the favorite. Uh, maybe the only one I'll actually give it to because, yeah, all these old fuddy-duddy ones usually do because they've got to sew lots of dresses and shit. So, um, <laughs> why not the favourite? <laughs> I just... Um, I'm going to lose that now, aren't I? Because I should have played it safe. <laughs> I'm going to give you first choice on the next couple. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, if if I want the advantage of saying I, I'm i going to break the mould here and break, break our even streak, then I get that. Uh, documentary feature. Oh, thank free you. Free solo. <laughs> Glad you gave me this one. <laughs> uh, free solo. Uh, Hale County this morning, this evening. That is the worst title in movie history. That's the worst title since Jiggly, okay? <laughs> Hale County, the morning, the evening. Minding the Gap of Fathers and Sons and RBG. The only two ones on here I've actually heard about are Free Solo and RBG. And I couldn't tell you much about them. Um, I don't know. What's your pick on this? Was Free Solo a documentary about the rescue of getting in from Jabba's palace on Tatooine? Is that sort of what it's... I I wish that it was, because <laughs> I guarantee I would have watched it, and then I would have one more review to talk about. Oh, fuck, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> thanks for this one. Um, 
Let's go with RBG because it's red and blue and green. And um, <laughs> Betsy West is one of my favourite documentary filmmakers of all time. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go with... Sure. Or is, is that your pick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with Free Solo because it's the only one I've heard of and I'm going to hope that other people who vote on these things who are like, I don't want to watch all these documentaries. <laughs> Let me just pick the one that... This is the this is the making of the uh, the the Ron Howard Han Solo movie. This is what happened after they fired the Lego Movie guys. It's Free Solo. That's my pick. Ben, your choice again. Documentary short Yay. subject. <laughs> Black Sheep, Endgame, Lifeboat, A Night at the Garden, and Period End of Sentence. Now that's a title. <laughs> I'm gonna go for that one. Not Hail Count. You're going for it. Well, I, I do. I do love a movie that kind of summarizes what it is in one, like you like snakes in a plane, you know, it's about snakes in a plane. That's all you need to know. Like, whereas this one, like, I don't know if it's about periods, um, as in like what we would call a full stop on this side of the world. Um, but I like the, the word play, like period, end of sentence. Like, yeah, that's what a period is in North America, at least not in Australia. So I'm going to go with period, end of sentence. By the way, period, end of sentence is about Indian women leading a quiet sexual revolution. How could you not have watched this yet? Well, and that's probably one that's going to win because it's about a cause and it's topical. So, yeah. Um, so it's about a group of w- women in India who learn how to operate a machine that makes low-cost, biodegradable sanitary pads, ah. which they sell to other women to affordable prices. Right. Not only helps to improve feminine hygiene by providing access to basic products, but supports and empowers the women to shed the taboos in India surrounding menstruation. Oh, we need this. It. is made for you. This is the, the film that changes <laughs> documentary short films moving forward. Um... You know what? Like you, you picked it off of just period and sentence. I'm going to agree with you on this one because of the description of women in India making tampons. <laughs> this is now my number one choice to see before the award ceremony tomorrow. Like I will watch period end of sentence. I can't wait for the feature length version of this, the dramatization of it. You know, like come on. Uh, let's go with the production design. Uh. Black Panther, The Favorite, First Man, Mary Poppins Returns, and Roma. Um, First Man, I guess, I kind of wondered, well, is it like the shuttles? Um, Is it their house? The the fact that they made it look very 60s? But really, if this is in there for anything, it's just for that moon landscape um, that they they pulled off. And I guess there were a lot of things I did like about First Man. This is probably the only time we're going to get to talk about it. Um, There were a lot of things I did like about First Man. But, I mean, overall, the movie didn't really work. But I remember how great the movie did look. So, uh, I don't know. I think this is the other one that Black Panther is going to take. There's so much praise for the look that they created for Wakanda. And I I guess it's another one that really deserves. I mean, it stands out more than the other Marvel movies. Like, I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, you have these big elaborate... Uh, locations and, and sets and uh, set design and art direction and everything, but it's just kind of like you know generic sci-fi stuff. Whereas again, kind of going back to costumes, I really feel like Black Panther has a unique look for it. So I'm going to go with this for both my personal choice and for uh, my pick to win. I think Thor Ragnarok had its own sort of feel about it too, didn't it? Would you say? Well, yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Again, I agree with you, but I feel like I need to go different on this one. <laughs> Fuck it, the favourite again. Uh, <laughs> why not? You're really a fan of this movie you could get through. I know, right? I fucking love it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I like Black Panther more than I like the favourite. I don't know why I'm being so negative on Black Panther, but um, I just need to, I need to win this year. Otherwise, I think I'm getting fired and I think Noah's coming in. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, let's go with cinematography then. So this is, it really is a great uh, category, especially this year. We have two black and white movies in there. Um, there's only a handful of black and white movies that have been made over the last 20 years, 25 years now, I guess, since Schindler's List. Now we've got two in a year, Cold War um, and Roma, obviously, the two black and white ones. And also the favorite, Never Look Away, which is probably the only one here that I have not seen and can't really comment on. And uh, A Star is Born. Uh, I don't know. I think The Star is Born had like, a really interesting it, it looked glossy but gritty at the same time um couldn't tell you anything about never look away uh this one i think is an easy lock for roma although again the whole black and white thing you know split between that and cold war who knows what could happen uh yeah i think that my personal pick would easily be roma because it was the look of that movie that i responded so well to uh and that's pretty much everything it's not just the cinematography i mean it was you know the the the, the sets, it was uh, the way that the, the camera was staged in the scenes, but it's very unusual for a black and white movie to stand out that much. And I think Schindler's List is the only other one I could really think about where it's like, you, it's so smart that you made this in black and white because it somehow made it better. We talked about that when we talked about Roma a few days ago. Uh, so my personal pick and pick to win will be Roma. I was going to, I watched Never Look Away, but I looked away, so I, I didn't see anything <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree. I think we both easily said during our Roma recap that this is a lock for this one. I think this and uh, Best Foreign Language Film. Does that mean Alfonso Caron could win five Oscars? Is that Has that ever been done Ooh. before? Yeah, you know, I hadn't even... I mean, I know I had heard that he you know was his own cameraman and cinematographer of this movie. Six Oscars but is actually really... he could win. Sorry to interrupt. Man. Yeah, that's... I can't think of many other people who have even had the chance of like, well, you get every once in a while, maybe three, four tops. But yeah, that's crazy. Because he could win director. Uh, he would get it for being producer <laughs> if it wins best picture, best original screenplay, foreign language film, cinematography. Uh, and did I say original screenplay as as well? I did say that. So this is six. He could win six. Like that's insane. You know what that means? He's the Michael Phelps in one- of the Academy Awards. In one year, he has gotten at least half of Meryl Streep's lifetime nominations. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, come on, Meryl. Jesus Christ, how many years <laughs> does it take you to get, like, 13 nominations? <laughs> Alfonso does it in one night. Like, Jesus. <laughs> you, you suck, Meryl Streep. <laughs> Which is true, but uh, it's... Anyways, um... So you're you're gonna go with Roma? Yeah, or? no, no. I I think that's absolute logical. Um, All right. Yeah. Um, I am gonna give you the editing and the visual effects picks first. So, editing, which I will go as far as to say it's easily my favorite of the technical categories. Um, partly because I've done so much video editing. I mean, that's basically been my hobby for years. We talked about on so many of other episodes that I've re-edited other movies just because I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like the way they cut from here. Uh, this one is Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, and Vice. Uh, there's a lot of garbage in here, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a hard one to pick because uh, 
I don't know if the editing in any of these movies really stands out that much. Uh, I mean, Vice is flashy, but I go back to what I said on day three or whenever we covered Vice, that everything clever they did in that movie, they already did better in the big short, including you know all, all the flashy editing and everything. But I guess it was more of a challenge to make. Um, I don't know. What's your pick on this one? Just before I give you my pick, I found... Um, who has won the most Oscars in one night. Walt Disney won four. In 1953, mm. he won Best Documentary Feature for The Living Desert, The Alaskan Eskimo, Best Documentary Short Subject, Best Short Subject, Cartoon, Toot Whistle Plunk and Boom, and Best Short Subject, Too Real. Oh, that's a missing category. Uh, for Bear Country. So he's the only person... Wait, so <laughs> how many is that? He won four in one night. For four separate movies. Yeah. So they, that's got to be something. Whereas uh, the next one underneath that, if you go over to 1983, James L. Brooks for Terms of Endearment. The most recent one were your favourite, the Coen Brothers, won three for No Country in Old Man. Actually, no, that's a lie. Uh, in 2014, Alejandro Gonzalez Inato won three for Birdman in one night. So a mm. uh, few people have won three in one night. Peter Jackson yeah. won three for Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, as did Fran Walsh. Uh, but only one person has ever won four in one night. That was Walt Disney. So even if Alfonso wins five, if he loses one category, he's going to create history. So that's that's something to keep an eye on. Um, film editing. Yeah, I... Ooh. <sighs> You're going to hate me because I, I, I really did like the editing of Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and Black Klansman, though, was done well as well, and as was Vice. Um, favorite. <laughs> Was it edited? I felt like it was just one continuous <laughs> shot for me. Um, and Green Book, it's not something I came out of it going, fuck, the editing was great in Green Book. Um, I think Black Landsman's a favourite, but I'm going to go for Bo Rap just because, I mean, outside, don't choke on yourself. Um, if Rami Malik doesn't pick it up, I feel like will it get at least one award outside of that? So yeah, let's go for Bo Rap for film editing. Why not? I'm really torn between Black Klansman and Vice because I do feel like Vice is the only one here that really looked and and was paced different. Um, but like Black Klansman, I. I for me, just personally, like when I'm going through this category, I just think about which ones just almost had a hypnotic uh, effect on me, and that would be Black Klansman. Um, and I also feel like Black Klansman is not likely to win a lot of the major ones. This is just such a bizarre year where I don't feel like there's any runaway favorites. There are runaway favorites in certain categories, but you this could be a year where of the eight best picture nominees all of them pick up at least one award somewhere and then no movie walks away with more than three awards like we've seen that a couple times see i'm gonna pick black Klansman for this one which also would be my personal favorite because i I couldn't even explain what it was like for bohemian rhapsody i could explain what the editing that movie was like what they were aiming for the favorite you know uh, give a little bit of credit to it i guess i could say the way that they balance the the drama and the comedy every time even though i said that the jokes it's not like they really make you laugh out loud the way that they were placed in there and the way they were edited in i mean it was interesting comic timing um green book i don't i don't get it uh <laughs> i love the movie green book but it, it's it was yeah, edited you, you, it was edited yeah <laughs> but yeah i don't know this this could go to either vice or black Klansman. but i'll go with black Klansman because it, it just it felt almost hypnotic in such a generic way it wasn't like i was watching anything artsy 
Yeah, and I'll just, just to, I guess, back my Bohemian Rhapsody up, not just because I like... I mean, I did leave that film the first time I saw it going. Like, I liked the style, the way that was edited, and kind of just how it was put together. And, I mean, this, again, I'm with you with Black Klansman, though, and I agree with you about Vice. Like, I, I, I would be fine if either of them won this as well. Um, but also, like, as you going back to your point about how, yeah, you feel like each one of the eight could walk away with an award, um, and... I would prefer Rami Malek to win uh, Best Actor so it can get one award, but uh, if he doesn't, then I feel like this will be the one that it, it can get. So visual effects, this is the one category where they're all box office hits, except for Christopher Robin. one. <laughs> oh, wait, no, First Man. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Christopher yeah. Robin. <laughs> uh, Avengers Infinity War. So we mentioned not Black Panther, which we're happy for because the yes. effects are not great in that movie yeah. at all times. Aquaman, Rob. Uh, Aven- Sorry. <laughs> oh, t- Let's talk about that for a second. Like, I think we mentioned it before. How does one of the most visually stunning movies I've ever seen, and I mean, I've seen so many people say, yeah, I thought the movie was okay, but man, I have never seen a movie that just blew me away visually that much. I mean, uh, I'll give a shout out to one of our occasional contributors on the show, Billy Garcia. Billy Garcia always sees movies before we do, somehow. <laughs> I don't know how he pulls it off, he's Billy but he's Garcia. there for... He's a celebrity. He just gets them sent to him. It's Yeah, because he's Billy Garcia. Uh, Billy Garcia from Survivor, who uh, saw Aquaman and actually went as far as to say that the last time he was that blown away visually by a movie was when he saw Star Wars for the first time as a child. And I feel like that movie just has so much support with just even just a visual. And some of the movies on here, like Solo, I mean, yeah, great effects... But I, I, I didn't feel like it was anything revolutionary, you know. Um, same thing with, like, well, Christopher Robin. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I guess, you know, when you're putting a CGI character in the other environment. But, yeah, how is Aquaman not on here? It's just, it's, it's, uh, I'm really angry about it. Yeah, and I did read a um, an article where they kind of, I think it was on goldderby.com, and they basically asked, they said, hey, um, you know, what were your choices for these categories and for the most part like all the categories were very similar uh but i did notice in best visual effects that um that everybody was like hey aquaman should have made it the top five so yeah it's ridiculous it didn't make it but um i mean this is a tricky one because i've not seen christopher robin's the only one i've not seen um look ready player one it was I don't know. I was a bit underwhelmed. I mean, it was a, visually, it was a good looking movie and the effects weren't terrible, but maybe just because I was left underwhelmed with the movie after having actually listened to the book, not reading the book, but uh, <laughs> it was unabridged, so I heard the whole thing. Um, so there was maybe that. And there were definitely some special effects in Ready Player One that I thought just looked a bit honky. But um, yeah, I, I, I think you mentioned last time or two about Solo that. You know, I was a fan of Soul. I haven't watched it since I saw it at the field and the movies. But I mean, there was nothing out of that that looked bad. But uh, First Man, as much as you know, yeah, we were indifferent on it. Like you can't take away from how visually stunning that movie looks. Particularly the the moon landing sequence is just absolutely incredible. But and simple too. Yeah, like that's what makes it stand up for the rest. He's so simple. So I feel it might be between First Man and Avengers. But I mean, look, Avengers is such a, a visually effect loaded film that seamlessly works and you don't come out of that going, Jesus, the special effects look bad. So I think it's got to go to Avengers purely on the fact that, I mean, what, 90% of the movie is visual effects. And Mm -hmm. 
I think it deserves it for that alone. Uh, I mean, again, I would probably have Avengers Infinity War, Infinity War as a Best Picture nominee over Black Panther, but let's not get into that again. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give this to Avengers. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with you. Um, also, because Avengers is left out of everything else, uh, and because Black Panther got the Best Picture nomination, I mean, it's it's one of the biggest movies ever made, and. I, in a way, I feel like, similar to what, the way I say, it's almost an unfair advantage to say that like Rami Malek deserves all this credit. And I'll mention it over and over again because he's just doing an impression of somebody he, that already exists. It's not like there's a lot of creativity there. Um, you could say the same thing for Avengers because these guys are just taking characters that we've seen and using the same visual effects artists who've been doing this over and over again. So is it as impressive for what they pulled off in Avengers Infinity War when... People have been doing effects for Iron Man for 10 years. And in, I mean, how many movies now? Four, five, six movies, seven, eight, nine movies. Uh, or even you could say the same thing for Solo. I mean, yeah, they're so used to that. So I would lean more towards Ready Player One just on a personal level because I do feel like that movie, it just offered something so different. And yeah, I will agree. Some of the effects were just okay, but it's kind of meant to be that way because it, it's not meant to look a hundred percent photorealistic and especially the chase scene, the, the, the first race chase scene with the, the DeLorean and mm. King Kong and everything. I mean, that, that sequence was probably those visually more visually stunning than anything I saw in infinity war, but I do feel like infinity war, they seamlessly tied together all these different looks, like the look of Dr. Strange, the look of Thor, the look of, Guardians of the Galaxy, the look of something simple like Iron Man and Captain America and made them all work as one movie. Uh, I think Avengers is probably definitely going to win this, but I, I definitely want to give a shout out to Ready Player One, although I'll also say I saw Ready Player One in 3D. Um, I feel like it really works in that, and it's one of these movies that I haven't felt compelled to watch since because I'm like, is this thing even going to hold up if you're not seeing it in 3D? And I would wonder if most of these Oscar voters are just seeing screeners of movies. It's not like they said, okay, well, in order to vote for this, you have to see it in 3D. It is a movie that's probably going to lose a lot. But uh, I still thought, like, visually it looked great. But, yeah, I think this one's Avengers. I think I watched Ready Player One on a um, screen on the back of a plane seat. So um, my screen was <laughs> even smaller than it would have been for a DVD screener. Um, I'll also just give a shout-out to the movie Solo because uh, we did our review of it, and we were both like, yeah, you know, it's a pretty good movie. I have seen it again. I watched it, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And huge jump from, like, I, I remember when I saw The Last Jedi, I'm like, oh, I'm very underwhelmed by The Last Jedi. I saw it a second time, like, yeah, it was better than I thought. Saw it a third time, like, yeah, it was better than I thought. Saw it, like, a fourth time, and I'm like, eh, it's okay again. Uh, Solo, it went from being like, yeah, this is a pretty good movie to, like, wow, I really love Solo. Like, if you get a chance, watch Solo a second time. It holds up way better on a second viewing than I thought it would. Well, coming soon to our Star Wars recap later this year, uh, also reminds me of uh, our quote that we've got to say. It's, of course, it's rough, it's irritating, it gets everywhere. Cool, thanks. Um, I will at least be watching it at least one more time this year. But, uh, yeah, no, I, w- <laughs> I would like to... I think it was one of these ones that I had, had plenty of opportunities to watch, but I just haven't. Um, I think a lot of that mentally is kind of like, oh... You know, I left Rogue One thinking, like, yeah, that was okay, and then kind of watched it again. I was like, eh, you know. But I, I liked Solo a lot more than Rogue One when I left the cinema. And I think maybe just I'm still a bit last jedi in the mental capacity where I'm kind of like, fuck you, Disney. <laughs> um, so, anyway, yes, I will watch it again. Um, I'll take the original score, original song oh. categories here. <laughs> uh, so, original score, which is another one of my favorite categories because I'm, I'm such a huge 
movie music buff. Um, and a couple of these I already have the soundtracks for. Uh, Black Panther, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, and Mary Poppins Returns. Um, uh, let's see. I, I really could not tell you one piece of music from Black Panther, and I've seen the movie twice. Oh, that Kendrick uh, Lamar song's I, pretty good. I'm, for the score, though, there's really nothing that doom, in... Doom, 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 sound that they keep playing yeah, it throughout it's... the whole movie. It sounds like they're dropping like a ball on like a, a drum or something like that. Doom, 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 doom. And I mean, the uh, the Marvel movies are not known for their soundtracks. I mean, even the recent DC movies, like obviously the classic ones, like the original John Williams Superman or the Danny Elfman Batman, those are iconic themes. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about even the recent DC movies. Like the score for Wonder Woman, uh, Hans Zimmer's Batman versus Superman and uh, Man of Steel. I mean, those scores really stand out. And I, I struggle to think of any Marvel movie, maybe outside of doctor strange and the first captain america where it had a memorable theme um so i i honestly don't think this was the best marvel movie to put up for a best original score but if you look at the rest of the categories it's not like it's the most memorable um i i want to lean towards black Klansman, uh just because we mentioned this you, you kind of made jokes oh what was the score in that movie and i was saying how i really liked that it had this almost retro 70s sound to it not in like the obvious way where they made it like a shaft disco sound it's just it it sounded like dramatic music from some detective movie in the 70s and it's the only one here that really stands out to me um you know mary poppins returns uh, it's a musical so i mean there's a chance that could win uh but it's not like there's a lot of people going around humming the themes from the new mary poppins so i I think it's gonna be black Klansman. Yeah, I, I'm honestly disappointed that Vice didn't get nominated for this because I, I left Vice really liking that score. Um, it was good, yeah. And out of all the ones that we've watched, it's probably the one that I actually remember the most. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you with Black Panther. I mean, God, I couldn't tell you any Marvel theme. Maybe some of Thor Ragnarok because it's got that kind of like um, uh, retro-y kind of feel to it. But... Um, yeah, look, why not Black Klansman as well? <laughs> like it's kind of what True. Isle of Dogs. That was the um the yeah. the uh, that movie with the Wes Anderson. Uh, thank you. I've gone blank yeah. on him. No, I'll go Black Klansman. Uh, original song. Hmm. So again, flying by the seat of our pants. Anywhere from one to all of these songs may appear on the award ceremony tomorrow. <laughs> well, Queen's uh, performing, all... aren't they? And they're not even. There's not even a song nominated for Baby <laughs> Rhapsody. Did you yeah, see that? Exactly. <laughs> Oh, they can't, like, did they not land these people? Are there boycotts? Or are they like, and I can understand if you're going to cut anything from the award show. I mean, sometimes if I don't like the song, I'm not going to sit there and watch the performance of the song. But we have a good year here for the songs. Like, all the stars from Black Panther, that's a good song. Um, I'll fight from RBG. Ooh, gotta love it. You pick that one. Hey, you could pick RBG R-B-G. in two categories. RBG. <laughs> um, the Place Where the Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, I I actually did see Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, Jamie and I took uh, our four nieces for Christmas, and I thought it was a decent movie, believe it or not. Um, although every song in that movie is just sort of meant to be not an updated version. It doesn't even they're not even using original music, but it's sort of like, oh, this is the song that's kind of like Supercalifragilistic. This is the song that's kind of like Spoonful of Sugar, and. I could not tell you what the place where the lost things go is from Mary Poppins Returns. There's a couple of songs in that movie that I actually do still remember. I have no idea what that one is. 
Shallow from A Star is Born. Let's just say it. It's winning. That's my pick. That's your pick. <laughs> That's anybody who's smart's pick. And when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings from the ballad of Buster Scruggs. One of my favorite movies of the year. I, I don't even remember. I, I'm hoping that's the one that the singing cowboy sings in the opening sequence. Uh, but I, this has to be shallow, doesn't it? Oh, hands down. And I think kind of we alluded to the fact that it was nominated for a bunch of Grammys. And we kind of were like, hey, if it wins, breaking news, it only won one of like the four it was nominated for. It won uh, Best Pop Duo Group Performance and Best Song Written for Visual Media. So it actually won two. Sorry, it missed out on Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Um, what did win those categories? A record and a song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's say Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, coming soon to Grammy. Uh, this is America. Awesome. Won record of the year by Childish Gambino. And the song of the year was also won by This is America, Childish Gambino. So, uh, there you go. Um, yeah, no, Shallow, this is probably the, the favourite of all favourites. Between this and um, Best Foreign Language Film, I would probably go out on a limb and say these are the absolute locks. You could bet your house on it. Um, and I'm looking forward to I, I believe this is being sung live, uh, which mm-hmm. I will be intrigued to see Bradley Cooper singing this live because, obviously, he's the one here that kind of had to learn to sing more so than lady gaga had to learn to act but uh, <laughs> did he learn to sing we talked about that yesterday <laughs> did he really learn to sing uh but yeah no this bet anything on this one i uh, if, if this doesn't win the academy award i will get a tattoo of rbg on my forehead <laughs> uh we're holding you to that um i don't remember if we talked about this because Everybody else heard A Star is Born 24 hours ago, but it was two weeks ago for us when we recorded it. <laughs> yes. um, I, I believe I talked a little bit about how the the actors, I guess Lady Gaga wrote some of her songs and Bradley Cooper actually wrote some of his songs for the movie, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's how Co- it worked. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I will say I'm not a Lady Gaga fan. She's got a couple of songs that are decent. Um as soon as I heard this in the movie, like the first half of the song, I'm like, ugh, it just sounds like some like horrid Lady Gaga ballad that I've heard a million times. By the end of it, I'm like, that song is so good. And if I'm going to be honest, what I think made that movie work so much were the songs in it, not just like in the way of Mary Poppins, where it's like everybody remembers the songs, but the performance that Lady Gaga has comes out of the songs. And I, 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 I can tell you, if I, if I never watch this movie again... 20 years from now, even if I've never seen the movie in 20 years or even heard the song in 20 years, I'll probably still be able to hear Shallow in my head. Like, it, it is a really fantastic song. And that's for somebody who does not care for Lady Gaga's sound. And it is one of those ones that in the, like, during the week on Mallory and I radio show here in New Zealand, we play, like, six of the best, you know, Academy Award winners for best original song. And kind of you go through each of those and the majority of them were songs that are just songs and you don't even realise it. Like, Flashdance, what a feeling. Like, you know, it's from Flashdance. Most people do. But, like, you don't realise that one best original song. Like, I've had the time of my life from Dirty Dancing. Like, it's kind of... It's just... It's a song in its own beast that was from Dirty Dancing. But for the most part, you don't realise it won the best picture... A uh, best song. Dirty Dancing winning best picture. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Santa's sleighs yeah. before Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Sorry, had to fit in a funny joke there eventually. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I think in years to come, you will... This song will... Just stand the test of time. So I agree. And it's a lock. 100% lock. All right, Ben. You got the sound awards. Sound editing. 
Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, Quiet Place, and Roma. All these movies completely different uh, as far as what they bring to sound editing and the, the categories. Uh, what's your pick for sound editing? Oh, you always give me the tough ones, don't you? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, A Quiet Place is... This is kind of one that people, a lot of people fought for it, wasn't it? Because it was sort of... It mm. was such a unique film that it deserved to have that nomination for it. I haven't seen it, um, but I know obviously what it's about. Um, I mean, First Man, again, it had sound and it was edited. Um, Roma, did it have sound? <laughs> like it was, I know. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody, again, this is one that it could potentially win just because it's, it's obviously a music film, so kind of, you know, I feel it's got to be there. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, these are the ones last year where I still am angry about uh, Baby Driver not getting uh, the wins for these ones. Yeah. Um, oh, <sighs> fuck it, bow rap again? Why not? Uh, I just, uh, I, <laughs> I wanted to win multiple awards, <laughs> but I just like it. I mean, it is a film about music. It should get some acknowledgement for its sound. So this is sound. This is sound editing. Let's let's put it up in both categories here: sound mixing and sound editing. They played a song and then added crowd noise. What are they editing or mixing well, in there? Make... These are songs that have been around for years. But they did make movie mixes, and I guess the editing of how they've got to go around the... Um, I mean, I guess it's probably more mixing, isn't it, with the final 20 minutes? But, you know, there are definitely the way they've got to edit it between what the original song is, the live, and then kind of just the back and forth. I, I don't know. I think there's some skill involved in that sort of editing when it comes to a movie where you're not just purely playing the CD throughout it. You do have to do something. And, and also I think too, and again, this might fit more into mixing, but uh, I, I mean, a lot of what they did throughout um, Bohemian Rhapsody is they did actually get sort of Freddie Mercury's vocals. They had the uh, the second guy, I can't remember his name, and they did actually use some of Rami Malek. So they had to get three different vo- voices to kind of blend in to kind of create this sound as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot around Bohemian Rhapsody that deserves credit with that sound editing. I'm not just purely doing it because I'm a fanboy. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, the more I say it, the more I stand by my choice. You shut up, Colin Hilding. I'll say it again. Suck a dick, Waterworth. <laughs> I'm not Meryl Streep. Uh, <laughs> is that your joke from before saying that she sucks no why take that too literally move on um you, Meryl. speaking of sucking a dick it's coarse and it's rough and it's irritating and it gets everywhere so let's move on <laughs> that's what she said um <laughs> Okay, so my pick here, I just want to give a shout-out to First Man for a movie that I'm not really that fond of. I'm like, yeah, they, they pull off so many things, like, technically so great in this movie. I just think about the uh, the flight scenes for all the times he went into space. Not not even the moon scene, which is, like, dead silent, but just the flight scenes and how either when he was in the, the planes or in the, 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 the space shuttles um, or the, uh, the rockets or not space shuttles. That would be a couple decades later, but you know what I'm talking about, uh, his space flights. One of the things that we praised in that was that they weren't showing, like, you know, the outside of the ship, like Apollo 13 style or anything like that. It was like these close-up shots of dials spinning and then a bead of sweat going down his head. And so much of the intensity in those scenes was just in the sound. So I really did love that. Uh, But I think this one has to be a quiet place just because it's a movie that's all built on no sound. And yet 
every sound in this movie still like the subtlest sounds tell the story like the footsteps in sand which i've seen this movie twice we actually covered it twice last year i did a review and then rossi and i did a recap um it's it's a hard one when you see it in the theater because it is so quiet that you're hearing people rustling in their seat and chewing their popcorn above the sound of the movie but yet this movie has such a presence with the sound in it and it's got to be the most difficult movie to ever pull off because you it's not a silent film but yet you have to have like the, the sound like it's intense and it's a monster movie like uh, it's just it's amazing and I, i'll go as far as say i think a quiet place could have easily gotten a best picture nomination this past year especially this year well, but uh, I, I love the quiet place. isn't there a few uh what was the tony collette one that everyone that was another one of the categories yeah, the the category where they were basically saying the other one that was the, the big snub was yeah Tony Collette not getting a nomination. So, um, and yeah, good on you, Tony. Proud Australian with with Tony Collette. Recently watched about a boy, and uh, I love Tony Collette. Uh, oh, love that movie. That's in my top ten of all time. That's when I did that Facebooky thing. Anyway, um, I wouldn't mind seeing a Quiet Place. Um, so I will watch it soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sound mixing, Black Panther, Henry Rhapsody, uh, <laughs> First Man, uh, Roma, and A Star Is Born. Uh, what are you gonna go with? I'm gonna go with Henry Rhapsody again. Same argument that I was giving oh, before. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm gonna give a very bold one on this one. I'm gonna go with Roma. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> an underdog i mean the sound ones always go to the musical so i would think that bohemian rhapsody or stars born is going to take it but you said something in the recovering the sound editing it's like was there sound in this movie and then i thought about a lot of those long scenes like even the opening scene where it's just a puddle and you're hearing the mopping (laughs) and then the scenes where she's walking through just the street for like five minutes straight and you're just hearing the car noises go by like I think about that movie visually, but but every time I think about the visual scenes, I do picture like so I, I think there was such a strong like uh, sound presence in that movie, and and it's one of these things. There's not a great story going on in Roma, but it's everything else around it that just felt so. Especially because this is a movie that everybody's saying it feels so real from the look of the movie, um, you know, the 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 sets, the costumes, the performances. But I think the sound has a lot to do with that too. Like I, I love the sounds of horns honking and mops <laughs> mopping floor in Roma. So too, I'm picking Roma. Too long have the Academy Awards snubbed movies with sound and mopping. So like yeah, like it's it's a long 91 years is too long. Finally, a good old sound of a mop on a floor needs to be awarded for an Oscar. What was sound mixing last year? That movie that was good. <laughs> Stop. I'm not going to go back. You look uh, for it. Um, um, the movie that won it last year was Dunkirk. Dunkirk won it. Okay. Yeah, Dunkirk. So we could have had the sound of mopping in uh, The Shape of Water, but instead they went with the typical war movie. So this is the year for mopping effects, okay? Shape of Water was snubbed. It's Roma. Just, just look, I'm calling it. Looking here, Baby Driver robbed last year. <laughs> Star Wars: The Last Jedi, oh, Academy Award nominated film. Fuck off. <laughs> um, what are we left with? We are left with screenplays, lead actors, picture director. Okay, and um, foreign language so... and animated feature and. Yeah. Okay. Let's get those out of the way. <laughs> um, animated feature: Incredibles Two, Isle of Dogs. Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, you know what's funny? When when these nominations first came out, 
I heard a lot of people saying like, wow, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is supposed to be a really good movie, but isn't it kind of weird that that's nominated for Best Animated Feature Film? And it seems like everything I'm hearing now is is all about praise where I feel like this one has to be Spider-Man that wins it, which is going to be incredible if the first superhero movie to win a real Academy Award will be the animated Spider-Man from the guys who got fired from Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, there's a... There's a great podcast I listened to, I think I mentioned before, called Unspooled, where they go through the AFI top 100 list of all time, and they just, each week, will talk about one of those movies. And uh, they did a series of episodes on, you know, the 2018 movies, what could potentially make that list. And they they talked about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and covering, I don't know, 40, 50 movies, they basically narrowed it down to maybe three or four that they think could make the AFI top 100 list. And they ultimately pick Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse over movies that we're seeing on here like Black Panther or uh, um, Green Book or you know, The Favorite or any of these others. And they went as far as to say that if any superhero movie were to ever make the AFI Top 100 list, which has never happened before, that even over movies like The Dark Knight, they would pick Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. This movie just seems to be getting so much more support where people are saying it's one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. I want to see this thing win, even though I, 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 I'll watch it before the ceremonies tomorrow. I haven't seen it yet. It was the next one on my list to see. But just to say a Spider-Man movie won animated feature film uh, and that Sony wins an Oscar before Marvel does. Like, how great would that be if Sony walks away with an Oscar for a Spider-Man movie and Marvel has never won an Oscar? Just going back to what you're saying before I uh, reply to that, um, I long for the day that another podcast mentions uh, us in the same sentence as I listen to a great <laughs> podcast called the Oz Network. <laughs> Unspooled might do it one day, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I was listening to this great <laughs> podcast called the Oz Network where they went over, you know, all the worst movies of the month, including the Emoji Movie and, yeah, <laughs> coming soon to the Oz Network. Um, what amazes me is if you... Imagine you can go back 12 months ago and then you said, like, hey, in 2019, these will be the animated features nominated for, um, for, for the Oscars. You would look at this list and go straight away. Well, The Incredibles two is going to win it. Like, no, yeah. no hands down. Like Pixar, you, you know, Incredibles second one. We've been waiting for it so long. But I, the only one I've seen out of these is Incredibles two. Um, look, I, I like The Incredibles. I'm not as big a fanboy as The Incredibles as some of the other Pixar movies, but I still enjoy The Incredibles movies. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I, I haven't seen Spider Man to the Spider Verse yet. I've got it. I just haven't watched it. And it's one I sort of, it came out of nowhere for me. I didn't really know that this was going to be a thing and then it happened and everyone was raving about it and kind of, I was like, oh, you know, I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd really want to see that. Like, it looks a bit odd. Um, and I really like the song from it, Sunflower, that's on the radio, good song. Um, but yeah, I I would be happy for it to win it too. And I, because I think, you know, Spider-Man's probably my second, third favorite superhero behind Superman and Batman. He's easily my favorite Marvel superhero. So, um, and given that Spider-Man 2 was robbed of not being nominated for an Oscar, like, yes. justice for Spider-Man. So, yeah, I, I I definitely would be in the same category. But I think this is this is one of those ones where I'm not going to say it's as, as a sure thing as some of the other ones we've talked about, but this, I think, is a clear favourite anyway. So uh, I'm going to go with this. And I think Billy Garcia, hashtag bring back Billy, didn't he <laughs> comment a lot online about how this is one of the best ones he's ever yeah. seen as well? So, uh, yeah, Spider-Man for me as well. And foreign language film, Capernaum from Lebanon, as I've been raving about. <laughs> um, Cold War from Poland, which is nominated for Best Director, uh, even though it didn't get a Best Picture nomination, which is weird. Uh, Never Look Away from Germany. 
Roma from Mexico and Shoplifters from Japan. Uh, there's actually quite a few of these that are getting a lot of praise, like Shoplifters, Roma, uh, Never Look Away was in another category already, Cold War. This is almost like the year of foreign language movies. I'm really confused by the inclusion, though, of of being allowed to be in both of these. And I think I talked about this the other day, that if a movie's nominated for Best Picture and it's also in Best Foreign Language, is that not just a dead giveaway? I mean, the only thing that would give a little bit of suspense here is that Cold War has a director nomination. So it could be like a two horse race, but is there any way that a movie that has more nominations or is tied for the most nominations and that is the clear favorite to win most of the categories out there, uh, is going to lose foreign language film? Like I actually don't like this, even though some of the movies that have won these before, like, uh, life is beautiful was nominated for both best picture and foreign language crouching tiger, hidden dragon, um, I always hate, even though I was such a huge fan of Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I was rooting for that to win Best Picture in 2000 or 2001. I hated that it was nominated for foreign languages. I'm like, this isn't even a competition. I mean, I wasn't even necessarily going to go out of my way to see the other foreign language movies. But it is, I, I feel like if you're going up, we talked about how uh, there was that rule with documentaries that Michael Moore was excluded from uh, having Fahrenheit 9-11 in the Best Documentary category. Because he said, I'm going for best picture. Like, it, you, you shouldn't be eligible in a lesser category if you already are best picture. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Like, I think you made that, that good point. I think it should be one or the other. But, um, look, if, if shallow is a lock, this is the lock of all locks. Um, I mean, gosh, you want something to talk about the next morning with no host, give it to Capern- Capernaum or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, without a doubt, like, I mean, I'm mean, looking here on Gold Derby. If you look at the uh, the total points it's got uh, from all the experts and everything, four thousand nine hundred eighty-three points compared to second choice Cold War of three hundred fifty-six, um, and then even then, third place Shoplifters has fifty-seven. So um, the points and the scores, like, there's not even a, a, a question of this one. This will this will win it hands down. Um, original screenplay, the favorite, first reformed, Green Book, Roma, Vice. Uh, I'm going to give a mini review here for First Reformed and also give another shout out to Unspooled because on the same uh, series of episodes they did, uh, they they covered what were the best reviewed movies of the year were, which is actually interesting to see which movies were the best reviewed of the year. And F- First Reformed was up there. Um, this is a movie direct or written and directed by Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver. And that's kind of even though he's made tons of movies since then as a director, He's always known as the guy who wrote Taxi Driver. Have you ever seen Taxi Driver? No, I have not. Okay, well, you're aware of what it's about, right? Yes. So Taxi Driver, which is basically a movie about a cab driver who kind of gets a bit of a, I don't know if you want to call it a hero complex, where he just wants to, you know, uh, save this little girl who's a prostitute, and it sort of just turns him into this extremely dangerous, violent man. Um, it's a movie that nearly movie killed first... Ronald Reagan, people, if that's not the one that you're trying to yeah, work out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then you have First Reformed, which uh, they they I was hoping to watch this, but then when Unspooled went out there and said, like, this is maybe the best movie of this past year, like, they put it up there with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I'm like, okay, i got to watch this thing now. I'm, a, I'm an Ethan Hawke fan, but I'm, like, a super Ethan Hawke fan. I watched First Reformed, and I'm already going to say this is the best movie of the year. And Taxi Driver, which I described the plot, and First Reformed, which is basically about uh, a minister or a reverend 
who's running this small church that that is basically just I don't know uh, I guess underneath this very large church and he's got you know one person in this church who has some extremist views and he's just kind of trying to be this counselor. It's such a simple movie. Somehow by the end of the movie, it almost becomes like a spiritual successor to taxi driver, a movie about a reverend uh, (laughs) and a guy with some extremist views. It's, it's such a strange movie because there's nothing about it when you watch it where you're like, this should stand out. But again, it was kind of like hypnotic to me and Ethan Hawke's performance. I'm already going to say when we get to the best actor category, it's a disgrace Ethan Hawke is not in there. Like, Ethan Hawke gave not only the performance of the year, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. And it was very Tom Hardy-like. Like, uh, it felt like Ethan Hawke was a different person. Like, he sounded different. He looked different. He moved different. First Reformed is, like, maybe the one true masterpiece I have seen this year where I'm like, I would hold this. I talked about that last year, but I kept waiting for that one movie. I'm like, this is a classic that will stand the test of time. And in my opinion, we finally got that with three billboards. But I, I, I watched all these best pictures. I'm like, I don't get that out of any of these. I get that with First Reform. So I would love it if First Reform won this because the only thing it's nominated, and it's easily the best movie I've seen this year. Uh, I don't think it's going to win it, though. I Again, going along with what, whether you know they're going to give a different award uh, or all the best pictures a different award, I feel like the favorite might win this one. Um, I don't think that Vice can win. Uh, I don't think that Roma can win uh, because the script doesn't have a lot to it. Green Book, maybe. First Reformed would be an underdog, but I also remember going into the year Whiplash won, thinking Whiplash is the greatest movie I've seen in years, and it won. So maybe that First Reformed can take it, but I I feel like this one's going to be the favorite. Oh, that would be terrible. Um, (laughs) Of all the categories that could win, this one would be shit. Um... I feel like I'm not giving Green Book enough love because I really enjoy Green Book, and it's it's, it's we went over this in a way that this is weird that it's nominated for original screenplay. Um, yeah, I ugh, I don't know anything about First Reformed, so I'll definitely put that on the list to to watch. Um, I mean, Vice. Yeah, no Green Book. I'm gonna give Green Book one just because I, I I think. Green Book deserves some credit, and I think it was a it was a good film. And I think at the end of the day, original screenplay would be a good one for it to win because that's kind of like you've got your A categories to win. This is probably the top of the B categories, isn't it? So it's kind of the next tier yeah. underneath the main ones to win if you're not winning Best Picture or you know Actor or Director. So um, yeah, I'm going to go for Green Book because I, I I believe it needs some credit, and it's not going to win Best Picture. Um, and outside of uh, Mahershala Ali, I think this might be the only one that it could win. So, yeah, let's go for Green Book. I think this is going to be our big race uh, in our competition here because favorite in Green Book, I mean, I don't think that either of the screenplays really stand out, but this this is, the, I think, the one where we could be close because I would almost flip-flop and say, well, I'd go with Green Book in a second. Um, this could be the category, though, where, where it does come down to we didn't give the award to anything else. Let's give it to Green Book. The reason I think that the favorite would take it over this is because the favorite has been given so much praise for how unique it is in the movie, especially taking a period movie and making it into a semi-comedy. And Green Book, I mean, if we had been recording this episode two months ago, I think everybody on the planet would have agreed with us when we had said Green Book's the clear favorite to win Best Picture. And it just feels like so many people have cooled on it. Not for any reason. I mean, there's some slight controversies, but it's not like Bohemian Rhapsody or anything. It's just, it's, it's just strange to me how 
much people have cooled on Green Book that I don't know. That could be the one that walks away with no awards out of the best pictures of anything. Which would be a shame. It just really would be a shame. Yeah. Because we talked about that in an episode and, you know, again, taking outside my love of Bohemian Rhapsody side, to me that was easily the best of, of all of them. I thoroughly enjoyed Green Book. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm sad if that happens. I'm sad anyway, but, like, I'll be sadder if that happens. <laughs> Uh, you'll be sad if a favourite wins, too. Yes, God, I'll be rioting in the streets of Invercargill because, you know, everyone here's a but huge movie buff and they would care. I'm not kidding. If First Reformed wins this, you may hear me screaming from the other side of the globe, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> That's how excited I'll be. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, adapted screenplay, another one that I love, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me, no. If Beale Street Could Talk and A Star Is Born. Uh, I'll give a little bit more love to Ballad of Buster Scruggs here. This is based... It should not be nominated for short... or for uh, adapted screenplay because they they wrote some short stories. I mean, here we have Green Book, a movie based on a true story uh, that's taken from, like, all the real accounts, including the the men who are really there, and it's an original screenplay. Adapted screenplay, they're like, well, we're gonna... It's kind of like when Memento was nominated for adapted screenplay, you know? They basically, the writers of the movie wrote a short story and then said, well, let's adapt the short story. I mean, to me, that's still an original screenplay. You just wrote a different version of it as you were adapting the movie. But some of the sequences in in Ballad of Buster Scruggs are like, okay, and then some of them are just incredible. It's just, I I love the movie, and I feel like that's that's a movie I've recommended a lot of people watch. First, I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan. Like, they've made some bad movies like uh, Intolerable Cruelty. I wasn't a big fan of the Lady Killers. I actually don't like Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is oh, one of my favorites. That's maybe one of the ones, ones I actually like of theirs. I remember watching it in school. I like that movie. But like No Country for Old Men, Fargo, uh, A Serious Man, uh, True Grit, um, almost anything the Coen Brothers make, I love. And this is like such a different movie because it's just a bunch of short films. But a couple of these sequences, like the main one with Liam Neeson and then another one where there's uh, a guy who's just digging for gold, uh, it, it, it's just they're easy to watch and it would have been interesting a tv show but i just i was i was blown away by the movie i'll probably talk about it a little bit more later on but um i don't know black Klansman. i feel like this could take it can you ever forgive me um my complaint about can you ever forgive me is that first of all i didn't realize that i knew it was in the adapted screenplay category but i didn't realize it was a true story and the little bit I knew about it, I thought, well, this is just going to be kind of like a character movie about, you know, this lonely author and some friends she makes. And more than anything, it was just like, catch me if you can. I mean, it's based on a true story that's kind of like catch me if you can. It's a woman who became an incredible con artist and thief. Um, and I felt the movie was just very generic. I'm, I don't really get this being nominated in the screenplay category because I feel like it's all in the performances there's some okay dialogue in it, but nothing great. If Beale Street could talk, it was maybe if this movie had focused more just on the story instead of just the visuals, it would have been good. I was going into this thinking I'd pick A Star is Born uh, because I really haven't picked that to win anything other than the song. Uh, but I don't know. I, when I keep thinking about Black Clans, but I keep thinking about how how disgusting and vile <laughs> so much of the dialogue is that the characters say in that movie, and yet it's in a way where you're not feeling down and disgusted watching it. 
So I, I'm going to go with Black Klansman again. Um, I, I thought this would be like a movie, oh, Black Klansman might not win anything, and I'm picking it in like several categories here. Well, I was going to go Black Klansman just because I haven't really given it any love except for original score. But, uh, I mean, I think kind of, like as you said, the dialogue in this film and kind of just everything around it that's – I think it works, and I think it's – I mean, A Star is Born, I mean, God, you look here on Wikipedia when it's purely got – based on the 54 screenplay and the 76 screenplay. <laughs> like it's the the adaptation of the adaptation. Like, it's, you know, how many levels of it there are there. Um, I haven't seen any of the others to really comment. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I would go Black Klansman just because I think it's, um, again, similar to what I was saying with the original screenplay. It's a good film. I think it needs some sort of, you know, love and that side of things. And, again, I think it's – I've not read the book, what it's, uh, you know, from Ron Starworth, but uh, if it sticks true to kind of what it – says in the book then it's you know it's it's been converted quite well so yeah i'm gonna go with black clansman all right uh the two big well not the two big ones i actually hate that um going along with what you're saying about the the oscars you know uh eliminating certain categories what i hated was a couple of years ago when they took the actor and actress category and whereas everything else was just they read the nominees in this one they're like every single nominee you'd have somebody come out and give this speech on them. Like some other famous person would be like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I once worked with him and it went on for like 20 minutes. And I just hate, I hate the idea of elevating the actors above everybody else. But let's be honest. Like these are the ones that are going to get the most attention. Um, so best actor, Christian Bale and vice Bradley Cooper, a star is born Willem Dafoe and at eternity's gate, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody and Viggo Mortensen green book. Well, what's your pick? I, on a personal note, I would be happy for any one of these guys to take this um, award. Uh, this is one of those years where I, I like every single one of these. Absolute personal, if I looked at this and was straight away like, I want one person to win this over anyone else, not based on what they are, but more of a career one, kind of what we're going to get when we get to Best Actress, Willem Dafoe. I, w- I want Willem Dafoe to win an Oscar. Um, that way I can also say I've interviewed an Academy Award winner, so, you know, personal reasons. Um, but I love Willem Dafoe and I just think he's so overdue for an Oscar. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Rami, you know, I am, um, and I, I'm going to stick with that. But, like, this is honestly one where I will be happy with anyone who wins this category. Like, I'm a huge Christian Bale fan. I think, you know, the, the efforts that he went to to get this one, I think it will be between him and Rami Malek. I think Viggo Mortensen, you know, purely for the fact, too, that, like, if you looked at him in Lord of the Rings and looked at him in this, like, holy shit, man, that man's changed. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, a, I'm a huge Bradley Cooper fanboy. And, you know, he will officially become the new Leonardo DiCaprio after this year for not winning. So... Uh, he'll win next time he's nominated. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Bradley Cooper's still snub for Best Director. We'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going for Rami. I think that um, I, unlike yourself, thoroughly enjoyed his performance. And I think that uh, he will win it as well as personally wanting him to win it as well. Again, I, I just want to say I, I didn't think it was a bad performance. I just think it's a bad movie and there's nothing that he has to work with that really gives him anything to deliver other than wow that's such a you know perfect impersonation of freddie mercury because everybody's like oh it was he just nailed freddie mercury but if freddie mercury had never existed and this was just an original movie an original screenplay and an original performance nobody would be saying he deserves an oscar nomination because the dialogue's not great in this movie the character is written sloppily and he spends the majority of the movie lip syncing i mean it's not his voice 
I'm not going to be critical of that. I think it was the right decision of the movie to not have that. But that's why it it it's, doesn't deserve as much praise as it's getting because it's not as much. I mean, I'll, I'll go through this list here. I think that he does give the weakest performance of these five. But I'll also say I'm not crazy about a lot of these performances here. I'm a massive Christian Bale fan. And if Christian Bale wins any award for his worst performance ever, I'm going to be thrilled because I, I, from before he was ever even Batman, I was just such a huge Christian Bale fan. He's had so many better performances in this. And I, I'll, the only reason I think I wouldn't mind if he won for Vice, if this was his win, because I know that he's won for a better movie with the fighter and he's been nominated for better movies like American Hustle. Um, this is going to sound really weird, but my personal favorite out of these five would be Bradley Cooper. I thought his performance was so good, uh, and I'm not a Bradley Cooper fan. Rami Malek wasn't crazy about it, but here's the other thing. I love Willem Dafoe, but I, I watched that he turned his gate today. I'm not crazy about his performance at all. And um, a couple of years ago, well, we're talking like a decade, I guess now, Brian Singer, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, made a movie with Tom Cruise called Valkyrie, which was a really fun movie. It wasn't like a movie that deserved a Best Picture nomination, but it was about an assassination attempt on Hitler from you know members of the Nazi party. And there was a decision that was made that was considered controversial at the time where Tom Cruise wasn't really given an accent. He was just speaking an American accent. And every other actor was too. I mean, Kenneth Branagh was not speaking in a German accent. He was doing British. But the decision was kind of made and it was kind of a joke towards tom cruise well he can't do an accent because he tried before um that's one of the problems i feel with eddie turney's gate because i don't know why willem dafoe's a good actor he does no accent in this movie yeah. you're just listening to willem dafoe and it was very distracting to me because i didn't walk away from it feeling like i watched willem dafoe transform into a character you know whether he's a real person or not it, it just sort of felt like this is a good performance i wasn't blown away by it and that's really all that Eddie Turney's Gate really has going for is Willem Dafoe. And he's one of these actors I feel like, you know, he's been nominated, what, two years in a row now in different categories, but two years in a row. I think we're just in this age where he's going to be the Meryl Streep or the Glenn Close, where we're going to very soon get to the point where it's like Willem Dafoe needs to win an Oscar. His fourth nomination, isn't it? Wasn't he nominated twice yeah. previously before the last, these last two years? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think his first nomination was going back almost 30 years now. Uh, there's just been so much love for Willem Dafoe lately. I want to see him win it for a better movie. Uh, Viggo Mortensen, I, I mean, I would give a lot of praise to him just because, like you said, it's not like Viggo Mortensen. Even taking away Lord of the Rings, most of the roles he's had, even fun movies he did, like he did a movie called Hidalgo right after Lord <laughs> of the Rings, which is like a family, it was like a family adventure movie. And he was kind of playing a fun type character in that, but he just ha he has very dry delivery. And Viggo Mortensen is such a good serious man like in the the great canadian movies uh that he made with david cronenberg a history of violence and eastern promises especially he's amazing but he's so funny in this movie and he's such a goofy character at times and and a slob just totally unlike viggo mortensen i mean that him and bradley cooper are the two performances here where i'm like they belong there I don't know if they're like classic performances, but they belong there. But I will agree with you. Rami Malek's going to take this. I just think that it's a shame because it's it's all it's the same reason Kate Blanchett won for The Aviator. Here's a celebrity that everybody knows, and boy, they did such a good imp impression of that celebrity 
it must be a brilliant performance because they did a good impersonation. I mean, there's Elvis impersonators out there that do perfect Elvis impersonation. You put them in a bad movie, you're not going to say, let's give them an Oscar. That's just my opinion, but I think he will take it. It's an interesting category, though, when you look at the ones who are nominated because you, I mean, obviously Christian Bale's won one, but I mean, what this is, what, he's been his fourth nomination as well, isn't it? Or yeah. third, fourth nomination. I mean, everyone in this category has been nominated multiple times. Christian Bale, the only one who's won one. Rami Malek's going to come in here with his first nomination, first win. Like, you know, poor old Bradley Cooper I mean, Viggo Mortensen, this is his third nomination. I, I didn't realise he'd been nominated that many times before. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I like it when you get those years when kind of you've got everyone's never won one and they've been nominated for multiple ones and it's kind of like, yeah, finally someone's going to win one. But, um, yeah, as much as I'm going to be thrilled that Rami Malek's going to win it for this, it's also a case of I'm going to feel bad for the others to not win it as well. So, fingers crossed for a tie, a, five, a five-way tie. Yeah. Um, I'll also say that... I won't be as angry as you would think if Rami Malek wins. Because, again, I didn't think it was a bad performance. I just thought it was a bad movie. But also, this, this is not a great category this year. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of average performances in here. So if he wins, it'll just sort of be like, eh, could have been worse. I mean, he could have beaten somebody who really deserved it. Um, best Actress. Here's another one I'm kind of torn on. So, uh, Yelizia Aparicio in Roma. Um, the Daughter. The daughter, well, the, yeah, well not the, the daughter, the maid. the maid. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I went uh, mother, daughter. Glenn Close, Glenn Close and the wife, Olivia Coleman for the favorite, Lady Gaga for Star Is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, what's gonna win it, Ben? Ah, oh, look, I watched the wife, um, and yeah, it it was an odd film in how I would like. It was kind of, it was a bit bland, but it was one of these movies where you were drawn into it by the acting. Um, like the storyline itself was very bland. Um, but it was kind of interesting. And like, I kind of went into this thinking it was going to be like a preachy kind of like, oh, you know, she's had a terrible life because she's a woman sort of film. But like, it was done in such a way that I didn't leave it feeling that way. And Jonathan Price, yeah. like Elliot Carver, like, oh. wow, why was he nominated for an Oscar? Like, Jesus. I, w- I would replace, like, honestly, in the best actor category, I would take all five of those guys out and put Jonathan Price in there. Like, he was so he was robbed this year. Yeah, he was great. Um, I think I've actually, the more I think about it, I enjoyed it more than I realised at the time. But, I mean, it's not going to be one of my favourite films. But, look, I am a Glenn Close fanboy. I love her. I love her so much. Um, and the reason there was a reason why this was kind of the only one out of the ones that I did my homework was to watch it, because I, I wanted to be able to watch the film that she will win an Oscar for. Um, and, like, you know... Damages is one of my favourite TV shows of all time. I purely watched it because Glenn Close was in it and I heard such rave reviews about her. You know, just she's just such a good actress and has been robbed for how many years of not winning? I mean, was this like an eighth or ninth nomination or something ridiculous? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really will be glad when Glenn Close... Can, it's like Gary Oldman last year. It's kind of like, finally, you're going to be able to say Academy Award winning Glenn Close. Um, and... Yeah, I, I mean, look, I would love to see Lady Gaga win still. Like, I I just... There's something about that that would be kind of cool. Um, Olivia Coleman can get fucked. I don't care about her. Um, I mean, I've not seen Can You Ever Forgive Me. I am a. I really like Melissa McCarthy. It's an odd sort of thing to think that she's now a two-time Academy Award nominee. <laughs> um, but I, I just... I like Melissa McCarthy, so it would make me happy to see her win an Oscar. But, um, yeah, Glenn Close is going to win this. And it will make me incredibly happy to have her hold that gold statue in her hand. I want to comment on the movie The Wife for a second, too, because this was the first thing that I watched after we recorded the last episode. Um, 
And I, when you first said, you know, ah, it was an okay movie, I'm like, oh, man, I mean, did I get something wrong here? <laughs> I thought it was great. And then you're like, well, you know, the more I think about it, because you mentioned something really interesting. You're like, I thought it was going to be a preachy movie. And we don't want to get too much into spoilers, but it's basically about, uh, you know, the husband is getting this award uh, and in kind of direct and indirect ways, it's like, well, does the wife actually deserve it? Did she have more to do with his success than people know? And the movie, even with like five, ten minutes ago, leads you to believe it is going to be that preachy movie where it's like, you know, oh, the woman was held down and this isn't fair. And then it sort of ends on a way where you're like, no, you know what? She's kind of wrong. You know, the, the, it, it's both of them. Mm. They're, they're, and it it ends on like a really weird happy note, even though it's kind of you would on the surface think it was a downer ending. Yeah. That I feel like the last 15, 20 minutes of this movie really sold me on the movie where I was kind of shocked, partly again, just looking at how bad the best picture nominees we have are on there. How did this not get nominated? And then I remembered that uh, going back two months again, nobody was talking about Glenn Close, really. It was all Olivia Coleman at that point or Lady Gaga. And it seemed to come out of nowhere because the movie, The Wife, it's not like it's a new movie. It's just all of a sudden, it was like somebody said, oh yeah, well, have you seen The Wife? And people were like, no. And then they watched it and then just overnight people were like, wow, that was amazing. Uh, I'm not really a fan of the whole, let's give them an award because they've never won, like the, the Kate Winslet uh, effect. <laughs> um, but... In this case, I expected to go into this feeling like, oh, uh, you know, I, I don't hate Glenn Close. I don't, I don't love Glenn Close. I'm just sort of like indifferent. But I hated the idea that that all the praise was like, well, she deserves an award after all this time. And I walked away from this movie thinking like she deserves the award because this was like the performance of a lifetime. And it's not a flashy movie. It's not like a big. It's it's kind of the type of movie you've seen a million times. But she just owns this movie. And Jonathan Price, too. Like, I would have substituted any of the guys in the best actor category for Jonathan Price or Ethan Hawke. I'll, I'll put those two, probably the two best acting performances here. But, yeah, I'll say of the lead – if you take both lead acting categories, I think Glenn Close blows away any of the guys. And I think of all four acting categories, maybe only Adam Driver impressed me more this past year. Like, it, it, she she was amazing in that movie. So, I mean, it, it's obviously going to be her, but that would be my personal choice, too. Just looking at who she's lost to over the years, um, all actresses who I actually really like, well, most of them, like Jessica Lange, love her. Uh, Jodie Foster is probably my favourite actress um, outside of, I mean... I like Natalie Portman for other reasons besides her acting. Um, <laughs> she can act. Uh, I like Meryl Streep. Um, sure. She has a couple of good songs in my middle-aged gay man club. And I don't know enough <laughs> about Linda Hunt and Peggy Ashcroft to really comment too much. But so, you know, she's she's lost to some pretty big names over the years. It's not like she just loses to Sandra Bullock or something like that. But um, <laughs> I love you, Sandra Bullock. But again, like, I can't even walk with Sandra Bullock. I'm still struggling to live with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what my point is. I'm just saying, I love Glenn Close. Um, and give her the gold now. Like, gosh, I'm just smiling already. It was like last year. I was like, oh, Gary Oldman's going to win an Oscar. Like, <laughs> You know what I want to see happen? And people who see the wife might get this. I want to see Glenn Close win. And then I want to see Jonathan Price storm out and demand the award. <laughs> That's how I want Oscar night to end. Yes. Uh, oh, Jonathan, I mean, uh, I want to, can we redo these for Jonathan Price? Like Elliot Carver winning one and standing up yeah. there going, there's no win like bad wins. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts going up on stage like, going, hua, 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 hua. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, this is unrelated. Well, it's related to James Bond, but you know, I just started doing uh, at random, and Jamie's like, "What are you talking about?" As uh, the the last couple days, I just went, "Look, parachutes for the both of us." <laughs> Oops, not anymore. <laughs> 90s James Bond voice. Mallory watched it. Mallory's finally watched all of the Pierce Brosnan ones now. And after Die Another Day, I'm like, so what did you think? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, eh, just like the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think her favourite, um, she said to me, was Tomorrow Never Dies. was her favourite. So oh. there you go. Well, the right answer is World's Not Enough. But yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Um, the best Bond film of all time. Come on. Uh, so best director... Uh, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Powell Pawlikowski for Cold War, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, and Adam McKay for Vice. Normally, this would be the category where you would be able to predict what the real front runners for Best Picture are, although it's just bizarre that Adam McKay is in there. Uh, because nobody, I mean, Vice is like the second worst reviewed movie uh, out of the best, eight Best Picture nominees, and uh well one of the worst reviewed movies to ever be nominated for best picture and meanwhile he gets best director nomination um it, it is really strange that cold War, because i i i think when i talked about this maybe all the way back on the first episode that uh going throughout every decade 70s 80s 90s it was always you'd have of the four best picture nominees four of the directors would get nominated in both director and picture and you'd always have that one director that that the movie didn't get a best picture nomination now we have eight to ten nominees every single year, and somehow Cold War still doesn't get a Best Picture nomination, yet it gets Best Director. It's just weird. Um, but I don't think anybody other than Alfonso Cuaron is going to win this thing. Uh, I mean, this is the category for Mexican directors. And uh, between um, Alejandro uh, Inarito for Birdman and then The Revenant, uh, Alfonso Cuaron for uh, Gravity. I think Alfonso Cuaron won for Gravity, didn't he? Uh, sure. Or did Ang Lee win? Uh, uh, Ang, Ang Lee, Lee won, won that year, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, but but obviously Guillermo del Toro last year. I mean, th- any time one of these big Mexican directors makes a movie, it somehow wins. And somehow the guy who made the smallest movie is going to win. And I, I, I we'll get to best picture in a second. But I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't see anybody else winning this. All I have heard a lot of people say that Spike Lee might win. Uh, which would probably come down more to rewarding uh, his entire career because there's so much support. Well, Spike Lee has deserved an Oscar. Let's give it to him. But like, I, I guess I would kind of say Alfonso Crone probably does deserve it because everything about Roma was so unique. And look at all the things he didn't hear. I mean, cinematography and you know, screenplay, uh, producer, all, uh, six categories this guy's up for or whatever it was. Uh, and yet he doesn't lack in any of them. I mean, the, the direction of this movie is what makes the movie work so well. It's it's how unique the movie is uh, in, in its presentation, its look, and how the scenes are staged. I mean, the star of this movie is the way Alfonso Cuaron directed it. Uh, so it would be my personal choice, but I think also uh, he's he has to be a lock. I don't really see any of these other people winning. Hashtag justice for Bradley Cooper. Um, yeah, but talk about that a little more. I agree. I think Alfonso will take this one and judging on, yeah, sort of the history in the last few years about Oscars so Mexican. Um, but I would like to see Spike Lee win it as well. I think that would be kind of a cool little nod. Um, the guy who um, did Step Brothers winning a Best Director. <laughs> um, but no, Alfonso will win this one. Um, I'm not going to go putting tattoo bets out there, but 
you know, I think he will take this one. Uh, picture. So the eight oh. nominees that we covered in the last eight days, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Um, let's give our pick on this, but we won't give our personal one because then we'll kind of end it off by ranking these backwards or forwards, however you want to do it. Uh, but I'm I'm going to go with Roma. A lot of these movies, ha- like Green Book a couple of months ago, seemed like the lock to win. The Favorite seemed like it could have pulled it off. Bohemian Rhapsody won the Golden Globe and got way too much backlash. I don't see it happening now. Um, Black Klansman, like, again, a lot of support. That's a possibility. Star is Born, I feel like that's kind of like Green Book. People have cooled on it a little bit. Vice never really had a chance. Black Panther, it's probably the best contender, but... I really feel like it would mess up the uh, credibility of the Oscars for Black Panther to win because as much as people supported what this movie was doing for blockbuster movies um, and for like inclusion and all that stuff, there has just been so much talk about like, does it really deserve to be in a best picture uh, uh, category? Um, I think Roma is going to win this one, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if four or five of these other movies walked away from it. Like, if we saw the favorite or Black Klansman or Black Panther um, or, you know, even possibly Green Book win, I don't think I'd be that shocked. But I think it's going to be Roma. I think last year we were kind of only torn between two, really, weren't we, with three billboards and the fish banging movie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this one is a little bit more open. I, I agree with you. I think Roma will win it. But, um, you know, I... It, I I, as much as I would love Bohemian Rhapsody to win, I'm, I'm, I'm come to the conclusion it's not going to win. But I like so taking that out of the equation, I would love to see Green Book win. But yeah, I think if the favorite wins, fuck off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, with Black Panther, like I'd, I'd almost be in the same category of like, oh fuck off, like because again, like I don't hate Black Panther. It's just a meh movie with so many other better superhero movies that should have been nominated for this category so um i think i think if either black panther or black Klansman wins um they should kind of put, build some tension so here in australia like the um the australian football league the, the biggest award like i guess the mvp of the afl is called it, they win the brownlow medal and they do like a big televised count where you know it sounds incredibly boring the way i describe this but i love watching it every year they basically go through every game throughout the year and read out three votes for every game so they kind of would go like Carlton versus Sydney, one vote. C, Hilding, two votes. Carlton, B, Waterworth, three votes. You know, Carlton, J, Hilding. And so they always, like, do this dramatic pause when, say, like, you get towards the end and say, like, C, Hilding is the favourite to win, but there's a C, Smith. So, and say you only need three votes to win, they would go, three votes, Carlton, C, Hilding. <laughs> so, like, they always pause if there's another one. So I think they should do that with this. So like, Black. And the Academy Award winner goes to Black per- Klansman. <laughs> Just or would they know. have to drag it out if it was Black Klansman. <laughs> Black Panther. Panther. <laughs> um, or just do it like, oh, there's a colour involved. Blackery, blackery, black, 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 green book. Uh, or they could be <laughs> La La Land. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, Roma will win this one. So we've agreed on the what are the four major categories that um, 
are uh, probably likely to be the last four categories. We did. The, the only ones that we didn't agree are the six main categories is Ali and Grant. We went different. But yeah, no, we the four main ones, we've all got the same. So when we go through watching this and doing our tallies, by the time we reach the last four awards, we'll already know which one of us wins because we're going to agree on the last four <laughs> categories. Unless there's like a... You know, like to to honor editing, that will be the final film of the night. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they deliver best picture, and it's like, and for those of you just joining us, best editing won while we were doing the acceptance speech for best picture. <laughs> <laughs> and now, saving the best for last to present the award for best animated short, Meryl Streep. <laughs> and the winner for best animated short, Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> the award for best animated feature, Meryl Streep. <laughs> the best popular movie goes to Meryl Streep. <laughs> and the Grammy for best cover art goes to oh, Meryl Streep. And the host of this year's Academy Awards, ladies and gentlemen, Meryl Streep. <laughs> And the host for the 2032 Summer Olympics, Meryl Streep. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your next president of the United States, Meryl Streep. <laughs> oh, um, we did everything, everyone. Like <laughs> Now we get to rank these things, I guess, in backwards order of the eight best pictures. We cover these day after day. And you did post your rankings uh, I think I mentioned this before, um, after you'd finished all the movies, and I saw you put up, I've ranked the Best Picture nominees, and I saw one movie at number one, and I immediately stopped reading. <laughs> but do you want the honors of going first? Do you want to rank this backwards, or do you want to do this, you know, well, yeah, let's let's do it, you want to do it double all seven style, you pick eight, I pick eight, then we yeah. go down? We'll do that. Yeah, let's go. All right. Let's what's your through. what's the bottom of this? Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> the favorite is number eight. Oh, I st- I still maintain if you go back and watch the second half of that movie, it will probably move up at least one spot on your list. No, not that it was great, but I think it will move up. Um, move up to vomit again. <laughs> I'm putting Bohemian Rhapsody last. Boo! No surprise the worst best picture nominee i've seen in a long time it's not an unentertaining movie but i said it's basically like a vh1 or lifetime uh you know biopic that they put out and i can happily say i watched the first 10 minutes of crazy sexy cool the tlc story and it is least on level with bohemian rhapsody so um i want to see crazy sexy cool on a list like this one day uh what's number seven number seven the favorite to win the best picture and my pick to win the best picture roma um, well, I just think at the end of the day, like a lot of this, my personal choice comes down to rewatchability and films that I'm going to go out and also watch and enjoy and kind of think about. And again, I didn't dislike Roma. Uh, I rented it from memory, but, um, if I'm going to go through this list and go, fuck, I really want to watch a movie. I'm not going to sit down and go, fuck, I really want to watch Roma again. Like it's, it's honestly going to be a movie that I will never watch again in my life unless we, you know, decide to go in the 100th anniversary of Oscars, let's review every single 100 best picture winner or something like that. So, yeah, I'm not going to watch this movie anytime soon, even though I think it will win the best picture and deserve the best picture. It's a decent film, but just not my favourite. It deserves it, just not as much as six other movies out of these eight. (laughs) 
Fine, I'll give it six point uh, five, not seven. Does that make it better? Uh, I'm gonna go with number seven is Vice, um, which I think is. Are those the only two that I binned out of these, or did I bin more than that? You no, you rented the favorite because you're an idiot. Um, I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you, no, I mean, you did bin Vice. Yes, you did. Um, here's the thing. Vice was a way more entertaining movie than Bohemian Rhapsody. And Bohemian Rhapsody was not unentertaining. Vice was a better movie than Bohemian Rhapsody, but still just didn't work. And I think at the end of the day, it, it was it was too forceful in its opinions and too preachy to a point where it probably shouldn't have been. And, and it just became confusing, whereas they could have just made it a satire. And instead, they tried to make political statements while mixing with satire. It's just... It was a very confusing movie, and I just feel like there was probably a better movie that could have been made by a different director who wasn't trying to force his own political opinion so much. Uh, I will talk about Vice soon. All right. <laughs> Number six is Black Panther. <laughs> um, again, I don't hate Black Panther. It's just, as I've said so many times, it's just it's very overrated, and it shouldn't be in this category as a superhero film getting nominated for Best Picture. I think I can list 10 easily that should have been in this before this. So, um, And it's not even my favourite Marvel film. Like, I, I think when I ranked all the Marvel films, I didn't even put this in my top half. So, um, yeah, again, not the terrible... Not a terrible film. It's a, it's a rewatchable film, but, yeah. I, yeah, overrated. Um, well, number six, Black Panther. <laughs> um, oh... <laughs> Big surprise, but uh, I will say this. I, I did. They, I think it got better on a second view for me. Um, I feel like the first half of the movie is really strong, and that's kind of similar to what I said about Star is Born. But where I will give it credit is I feel like this is the first superhero movie, or at least the first Marvel movie, that really takes itself seriously. It's not just, you know, I'm not even talking about the, the overuse of comedy that they've had, you know, ever since Guardians of the Galaxy was a hit, where every superhero movie now is just a comedy first and then a drama second. Uh but I feel like it, it's classy. Uh, I really like the early stuff. And then once uh, Michael B. Jordan's character takes over, it just becomes like repetitive. Like, let's run through everything all over again. Let's have another battle on a waterfall and another guy getting buried in you know sand and uh, another bad fight scene with bad CGI when you could have just had stunts. Uh, and, and particularly the last act just falls apart. And... I've talked to a lot of people who really did like this movie and they all kind of agree with me on that, especially last act of the movie and say, yeah, I, I didn't think that it was great at the end. It's like, but I liked all the early stuff. A couple of good scenes in here. I will just say this though. We started off reviewing Black Panther first when that was one of two movies that we had seen. And I was like, this is not the best picture nomination. This is number six. That means I, I understand this getting a best picture nomination a lot more than I did when we started this like a week and a half ago. Uh, but still... Like you said, for as far as superhero movies go, I mean, I, I, tons of Marvel. I, I could tell you, ones that could have gotten a Best Picture nomination I felt would have been more deserving, even if I don't think these deserve Best Picture nominations, Wonder Woman, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, maybe Civil War, uh, Doctor Strange, uh, the original Superman movie. The, obviously, the Christopher Nolan movies never got a Best Picture nominations. I feel like... Iron Man. 20 years? <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go as far as, say, The Incredible Hulk. Hey. Hmm. Um I feel like 20 years from now, people are going to look back. Spider-Man 2, yeah, of course. Spider-Man 1 even. Uh, but I feel like 20 years from now, people are going to look back and they're going to be like, that's the first superhero movie to ever get a nomination. you know?" And, and probably look at it and say, the first Black Panther is a good one. Like This is going to go down as like the way Spider-Man 2 is, 
or um, you know, The Dark Knight, where I feel like by the time Black Panther two comes out, we'll be like, oh, that deserved a Best Picture nomination, but not this one. And I think that um, one day we probably will have a superhero movie win the Best Picture. Um, you know, you look at something like Logan and sort of these films where they can kind of oh yeah, that didn't out. get nominated. Yeah, I mean, I've not even seen Logan, and I'm angry about that. But um, yeah. I think that. It will happen one day, but I just really hope that day is not tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five. Uh, I've got Vice. Um, I didn't dislike it as much as you did. I liked it a lot more before we talked about it. Um, I'd watch it again. I think kind of it was one that I still got a sense of enjoyment out of it. But uh, I definitely fanboy a lot more over W. I think W is a much better film. And again, it just made me want to watch that. So I'm looking forward to covering that later in the year here on the Oz Network. But um, yeah, number five, why not? Vice. Uh, I'm going to go with the favorite. (laughs) And again, I did love the favorite. I I did feel like um, there were elements of the movie that worked and I would have taken a different approach to it and just made it the political story. Uh. I definitely liked Black Panther a lot more than this. I probably was more entertained by even Vice, but I felt like this was a better movie. It was definitely better made. Um, the performances are better in it, and, and it feels like uh, it feels like a movie that would have been harder to make than something like Black Panther, which is almost like anybody can make a Marvel movie at this point. So, how much credit is it really reserved? So, yeah, I mean, I, I give a little bit more credit to the favorite than you do. Although, it's sad that. We're now at number five, which is if this were the old days, the, the proper way of doing best pictures, uh, you know, you'd have your five best of the year. And I would put the favorite among the five deserves it. Like that, that kind of makes me sick about this year because it's <laughs> not a movie that deserves a best picture nomination still. Yeah, no, you're an idiot. Moving on. <laughs> four. Uh, number four, I have uh, Black Klansman. Um, I think that it was entertaining it was uh you know educational in a way that it's kind of like again you sort of watch a film like this and think holy fuck like we we live in a world where this happened and some would argue where it's still happening i kind of yeah um but yeah i mean adam driver like it's kind of it's two films i've seen him outside of star wars now with this and and logan lucky and just the the depth of acting he can do like i i really appreciate him as an actor um you know uh, Denzel Washington's son, just fantastic, and he's just going to be an absolute star. Um, all the family members of like Steve Buscemi and all these other people as well. Um, just a good <laughs> film. It's such a, just an enjoyable film. Um, so yeah, Black Klansman. Number- uh, my number four is A Star Is Born, and I kind of said it all yesterday. I mean, there was a point where I thought this would have been close to the top of my list because I was loving the first half of it, but it's just the second half was just it was too generic for me. Um, I, I'm really sold on Bradley Cooper's performance, especially. I think Lady Gaga has some brilliant moments, but it's a, it's a good starter performance. I will give Bradley Cooper as a director credit for getting that performance out of her. Uh, for somebody who's not an actor, I mean, you have to give the director. People always talk about the director getting credit for you know how the movie looks and uh, how it's paced and how a story comes across, but like the, the they bring the performances of the actors, so all the credit to him for that. Uh, this probably would have made it higher, but th- I will say this is the first one uh, you know, of these eight where I feel like this is something that in another year I could accept getting a Best Picture nomination, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I'll just jump in and say I've got it at number three, and I think kind of a lot of that also is the the depth of what we've got this year in terms of best 
picture nominees because like i mean you know i i I really liked star is born but i didn't absolutely love it um and kind of my opinion of it just kind of stayed the same after seeing it in the movies and then watching it again so um yeah i agree with everything you said i maybe am not as indifferent in the second half as you are but it's not to take away from what you're saying and i think kind of you know bradley cooper was fantastic uh lady gaga was fantastic and it's a it's a film that i feel i shouldn't like but um i did so and yeah one i would happily watch again all right, uh, my number three, uh, and I was so torn wanting to put this higher, but uh, I'm going to go with Green Book, um, and I'll also say that this is one of the three that I thought like really belonged here. Um, the only reason I would put it lower is just because I do feel like, similar to Star is Born, I've seen this movie before. We talked about it last year with a lot of the ones like um, Lady Bird, that just, great movie, but you've seen that movie many times before, and especially with like I said, the nineties movies, like as good as it gets or driving Miss Daisy, you know, this is a movie that's been done before. Is it done better than those? I don't know, but it's easily, I think the most watchable of all these movies. And I feel like it hits and yeah, maybe it's a little bit corny at times, but it's one of the most effective corny Oscar bait movies I've ever seen. And again, to come from a fairly brother, uh, to to make a movie like this, I mean, I think that's even more impressive what Adam McKay did because he didn't in any way play this movie for laughs. And I just, I, it's so hard to have a movie that has two leads and you just love both of those characters together. Where it's like, I want to see the Green Book sequel, like I want to see Yellow Book or Purple Book or something <laughs> like that, um, because I think like you could build a TV show around these characters. Like it, it was so much fun. Um, I think it's going to unfortunately go down as one of these movies where people are like oh green book that was just sort of overrated uh maybe it was a victim of having too much praise too early where it didn't have a chance to really build and people kind of were just rejected with like well i expected something a little bit you know more unique than that but i mean it's such a good movie still well that's my number two um yeah agree with you and yeah i just I had no expectations into this film, none at all, and just was completely blown away by how much I enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, it's a shame that it's not really in with a shot to win the Best Picture anymore. But, uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I'd like to see a sequel. I'd like to see a TV show out of it. Uh, just, just really enjoyed this film and i i feel bad that it's getting as much criticism as it's getting around a lot of what it's getting Uh, but it's just the day and age we live in sadly but uh yeah my number two film and and possibly my number one outside of the context of my number one was always going to be my number one and what is your number two that was my number two green book oh that was your number two (laughs) that was quick good moving on um my number two, which also will give away what my number one is, and my number two is Roma, which I think at the time I was watching it, I wasn't really blown away because I was I was paying so much attention to the story. But I mean, it's just it feels like you're in the world. And it, I really wish I could have seen this on a big screen. It's so weird for a black and white movie that went straight to Netflix. Feels like something that should have been released theatrically. And, you know, obviously, this is technically the lowest grossing of all the best picture nominees because it didn't really get more than just a couple of theaters for a weekend or so. Uh, but I feel like you could have released this and it could have been a black and white Mexican movie that made a hundred million dollars. Cause I felt watching this the way that, you know, people should watch feeling like ready player one or avatar. Like I was living in this world and the more time that passes, I'm glad that we're doing this two weeks later because I probably would have put green book above this two weeks ago. Um, I, I just think there's something so impressive about this movie and I wish I could put my finger on it. It's just, it just, 
it feels like you're in this movie. It feels like you're you're part of the scene, and that's all Alfonso Cuarón. I mean, the characters are okay. The story is not that interesting. It's all, all right. You know, the dialogue's okay. It's just the movie just it looks and feels a certain way that like I can't really put my finger on it, but like I I want to see this again and I want to see the sequel. Where's <laughs> Roma two? Where's the Roma extended universe? It's called. Let's see more mopping. Paris or Barcelona or I don't know. I'm trying to go with European cities there. Bad joke. Uh, look, I, I mean, again, I can't disagree with everything you said except for the fact about watching it again. I don't really want to watch it again anytime soon. And I'm not going to be upset that this will win Best Picture. Uh, didn't hate it, but I just liked six other movies better than this film. And then your number one. <laughs> Uh, We're out of time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry. Behavior Rassi. Oh. And I think probably I would go out in a limb, and I know we're going to talk about a few of these in just a second as well, about outside of the Oscar noms, uh, whatever our favorite films. And I would say this was my favorite film of 2018 as well. So um, it'd been a while since I'd left a cinema and just been absolutely blown away and loved a movie that much as I did with Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, I straight away remember saying to Mallory, like, can we go see that again? Um, and... Yeah, still love it. Absolutely love this film. Uh, this will be one that I will probably watch yearly. Um, and just, I want to watch it again right now, to be honest with you. So, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, by far my number one. And I'll just say it now, my favourite film of 2018. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number one here. and number, uh, and our last one. Like, that's ridiculous. And it's like, from, like, that's crazy. Can- can you, can you just, okay, look at the best picture, if you can, pull up on the page the best picture nominees from last year. Because last year, I feel like, was a really strong year. Yeah. I understand the enjoyment of Bohemian Rhapsody, but I want you to place Bohemian Rhapsody in the order, if it was if it was last year, where would you have ranked this for the best picture? Not favorite movie, where would you rank for best picture if this was in last year? That's a good question. Um... Maybe fifth, fourth, fifth. Um, so I can accept your opinion a little bit more then because you're basically saying this is a bad year that the movie that's by far your yeah. pick for even best picture would maybe make the top five if this I, were last year. I, don't, I mean, look, once I would put ahead of it, Shape of Water, I put three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri ahead of it. I put Get Out ahead of it. Um, Get Out. How great was Get Out? Like, Get Out seriously, was fantastic. Another, like, we got to do a Get Out episode just to just to say we did another. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like, the more I think about how much I love that movie, um, yeah, just yeah. Um, but I get a bit skewiff around sort of Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, uh, and yeah. the Post, um, and even maybe Lady Bird because I think I liked that more than you did. Uh, I mean, look, I'm going to put it ahead of Phantom Thread, and I would put it ahead of Call Me by <laughs> Your Name. But I, yeah, I mean, it's it's in that middle area. But, but I mean, like, I, I posted this when I did my top nine, top eight on Facebook. I I said by far, like this year is nowhere near as good as last year. I mean, I think I said in that post I would easily rewatch um, seven of the nine of last year um, <laughs> over the majority yeah. of the ones this year. So, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's it's an odd one this year because I think sort of I I know I'm sort of being a bit more biased in the fact that I'm shoving Bohemian Rhapsody out there as more so as a personal one and one that I would like to see them win the most, and uh, but I'm clearly saying Roma will win and I'm not going to be disappointed and I'll put that at like second last. So whereas last year, like you know, I think you and I both picked three billboards to win, did we not? Um, yeah. 
But again, we weren't disappointed at the Shape of Water one as well. Um, but I think Three Billboards was such a good film. But I think last year I said Get Out was by far my personal one that I'd like to see it. But anyway, that's a good question. No, uh, I was going to call you Noah. Well, that's a good question, Noah. <laughs> I've already replaced me. No, I'm just getting you in the mood to say Noah. For the record, it would still be last on my list if it was last year uh, <laughs> and all other years. Um, let's wrap this up by kind of just, I guess, we don't have to have any order to What's this. What's your number but one? My number one You haven't given your favorite? number one for the favorite. Like, Oh, for favorite. I mean, we did the review on it. It's Mission Impossible Fallout. No, 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 I, no. no. I, I, didn't know you're number one. Like, you've been ranking these best pitches. You didn't tell me what your number one. I'm guessing oh, that's right. You didn't talk about well, my Clansman. Wait a second. <laughs> you mean Mission Impossible Fallout is not nominated for best picture? No, sadly not. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Black Clansman. I've been waiting. You know, I've actually held off on talking about Black Clansman, you know, because I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about it and I completely skip it. <laughs> um, uh, Black Clansman. <sighs> I feel like when I saw this movie, I, I didn't want to oversell it when we did the episode because we were reviewing it very early and I wasn't sure how I would feel about it later on. And I don't I don't really feel any different about it. But even when I first watched this, I'm like, I'm betting this is going to be my number one of the year because I, I just, I loved everything. About it. I just got the movie. And it, it it's the same feeling I got, not to nearly to the same extent, but similar to the same feeling I got last year when we finally got to three billboards. I'm like, this is the classic I was waiting for. Um, I, I do think first reformed is a better movie than this. Uh, but this would easily be my second best of the year. Uh, if we're looking at everything and it's so much fun. And yet it's about these disgusting KKK races saying the worst things imaginable. And, and it's, it's got this cool seventies vibe about, it. I mean, it works on so many levels and it does get a little bit heavy handed with like the ending montage, but I also understand that. And the ending montage doesn't necessarily carry the message. Most people might think, I think if you just look at it superficially, you'll come away from it thinking one thing, but if you really analyze it, it's, it's, it's saying something completely different than what you think. And just those two performances, like with Washington and, and driver, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the Viggo Mortensen and, and all Marshall Lee thing. Like, these two guys just own it, and I, I want to see Black Klansmen too. I mean, I want these guys to do a, another movie together. Uh, I'd love to see these characters continue. There's no way that's actually going to happen. But, yeah, I just feel like this is the only movie out of all these, and there are a couple that I really like, like Green Book and Roma, but I don't feel like those come anywhere near how much I enjoyed Black Klansmen, how much I actually appreciated Black Klansmen. And, again, I don't disagree with anything you said, Um I think it, yeah, it was it was a it was a great film. I, I would have had that number four. So um, yeah, I mean, sort of my top outside of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, like you know, those second, third, and fourth are very kind of connected to each other. I think so. Um, just, just transitioning to like, actually, I'm glad you brought up Mission Impossible because we just transition into this because Black Panther. We're talking about all these superhero films that should have been nominated and things like that. Why was it Mission Impossible nominated? Like, like and you know what? We're really? not alone in that. We are honestly not alone. There are so many people who have been like, Mission Impossible Fallout is legit a best picture worthy movie. And I think it honestly is. I mean, yes, it's a big blockbuster and it's it, it, you don't you can't take it as seriously as others, but it was the dark night of spy movies. And that's what so many people said. Like, it was like the dark night or like Skyfall. And I would say Dark Knight and Skyfall, Skyfall should have gotten a best picture nomination. Yeah. Um, and I feel the same way with Mission Impossible Fallout. And it's not unusual to have just a fun blockbuster that could get a nomination. I mean, Avatar didn't deserve it, <laughs> but it, it certainly got a Best Picture nomination. 
Um, you know, District 9, there's another one that's just kind of a, an action movie, maybe a little bit deeper on some levels. But like Mission Impossible Fallout, easily my favorite movie of the year, but I would put it up there. Like if I were to have ranked the eight movies that I think should have gotten Best Picture nomination, I would put Mission Impossible Fallout at least in the top eight as well for best as well as for favorite for me. Yeah, it's crazy to think that it... I mean, I feel like it just dropped out of conversation after a while, didn't it? Because when it came out, the amount of praise it was getting and things like that, but then there was just seemingly no discussion around it when it came to this point of the year. So, I mean, I felt Spectre... Uh, Spectre, sorry, uh, Skyfall, you know, remained in the conversation a lot longer um, yeah. than this did. And, you know, I'm with you, I think. Skyfall should have been nominated, but it's kind of like you've always got these sort of categories of films, like, you know, it's kind of we're currently crossing that line of superhero films now getting nominated for Best Picture, so it's kind of are we going to cross this line now with action films or sort of spy sort of, you know, films like, you know, does a James Bond or a Mission Impossible film deserve to be? And yes, they do, so um, I mean, that I I really enjoyed Mission Impossible Fallout. I think kind of it wasn't my favourite film of the year, uh, but, I mean, it's probably my top three. Kind of, I'm just looking here at the list of ones we re- reviewed last year, at least. Um, well, like, let's go along with that. I mean, w- w- like, aside from, well, let's say best or favourites, we'll just kind of, like, free free flow here. What were some of the other movies that, whether they belong in an Oscar list or not, like, were among your favourites or best of the year? It's an interesting sort of one looking at some of these ones because... I feel like overall last year wasn't as good a year as 2017 because yeah. I think kind of with, you know, when it was easy last year when we sort of brought this question up and I'm straight away saying like Logan Lucky, Baby Driver, like shows, ones like this, you know, and but I had to actually look at this list to even think of the movies that I did see last year. Mm. Um, I mean, look, we've mentioned already in this episode, I think you and I were much more fans of, of Solo than pretty much everyone else was. Yeah. Um, which is sad because kind of, yeah, it, it was a good film. Um, sort of going through the other ones I reviewed last year, I mean, Deadpool 2, very much Deadpool 1. If you like Deadpool 1, you're going to like Deadpool 2. It's an enjoyable film. It's not a bad movie. Uh, similar to Ant-Man and the Wasp. I, I enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp, but uh, it was kind of obviously, uh, you know, very much the first one. Uh, obviously, the big one really for me last year in terms of my personal fandom, um, you know, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, um, which... Look, I've, I saw it twice at the movies. I haven't really kind of gone out of my way to watch it since. I will at some point this year just because I generally always rewatch Jurassic Park movies every year. Um, and look, I still enjoyed it on the fact that it was something different. Um, it seems to be getting a lot more hate now than when it first was released. Um, but again, it's sort of it's it's left that door open, which is making me probably the most excited for a Jurassic Park sequel that we're ever going to get. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed Johnny English Strikes again. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of just the same, but recycled. Um, so there was that. Obviously, Avengers Infinity War, I enjoyed that. Um, uh, The Meg was shit. One of the worst films I've seen. Um, First Man Agreed. was there. Um, kind of, I still don't know how I feel about First Man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even sort of ones I didn't see at the films from last year, like, uh, you know, Incredibles 2 was, was pretty decent. Uh, I'm just trying, even trying to think of some of the other ones. What did we do? Uh, Aquaman. Um, I still don't know how I feel There's about another Aquaman. one. Like, There's was- another one. Jamie and I have seen that a second time. I'll say again, like, like I, I had with Solo, didn't expect to enjoy it as much on a second time as I did. I thought, oh, this is the type of movie that will probably get better even on a second time. 
to me, it got way better on a second viewing. Like, I, I'm, I still don't think it's my favorite DC movie, but, like, really enjoyed it. So I definitely say go out of your way to see it a second time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to, when it comes out, I'll definitely, you know, I'll be getting it. Um, but, yeah, look, I'm sorry to wrap it on, but, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody is my favorite still. But, like, again, I don't know where I'd go after that because it's just kind of nothing really was just glaringly standing yeah. out as much as some films in 2017 for me. So, um yeah, it was a it was a wee G last year. So in terms of the the films, um, so yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say as far as like what deserved to be in the best picture. If we had eight movies from this year, you know, I would bump Bohemian Rhapsody, Vice, The Favorite, and Black Panther, and I would replace them with like easily. I'd replace it with First Reformed. Uh, I think that um, The Wife would potentially belong in you know a uh, best picture category. There's Two movies that didn't really get any love that I am such a huge fan of, and they're maybe you know surprising that these would be the movies that uh, uh, would get a Best Picture nomination. But then again, Black Panther and Vice and Bohemian Rhapsody got a Best Picture nomination. A Quiet Place I already mentioned earlier. It is just kind of a blockbuster to me. I saw it as like a really good M Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, it reminded me so much of Signs, like as if Signs was a, a silent movie. Um, but it was just so effective and again like challenging to pull off a movie like that where nobody talks and to have performances that are all just from facial expressions and it is just kind of you know uh, a monster horror movie but it's so good and it's so entertaining and it's something that i think has so much rewatching uh like rewatchability to it um the main one i want to talk about which is among the movies that i've seen that i could never get the person i saw it with to actually record an episode with me uh, is Sicario Day of the Soldado, which are you familiar with the first Sicario at all? No, they're words that uh, just don't mean anything to me right now. Well, the, Denis Villeneuve is like uh, Canada's biggest director. And uh, I, I think it was like one of the first American movies he made was called Sicario that had Benicio Del Toro in it, Josh Brolin and Emily Blunt. And it was, I guess, uh, a cry movie about the CIA uh, going to war with drug cartels in Mexico. And it came out and uh, kind of built a lot of steam the way that, you know, uh, some of these movies like um, like Green Book did, where it's like it probably could have just been a straight-to-video thing, but it, it, it got a lot of people interested. Ended up on tons of critics' top ten lists, uh, was nominated for a couple Academy Awards, I think for screenplay and, uh, you know, for score and um, cinematography. Like, uh, it got a handful of nominations, but not a Best Picture. Uh Day of the Soldado is the sequel to that, which focuses more on Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro's characters. It's a completely different movie. Like, it definitely is the same characters they played the first time, the same type of movie. But to me, it felt like the way that John Wick 2 was to John Wick 1, where it was like just taking everything to a different level. And I think because it was different from the first movie, it didn't get the greatest reviews. But I showed it to Jamie recently, and she's not into these crime movies at all, or like CIA and drug cartels, and like these gritty, violent action movies. And she's like, that was such a good movie. And she saw the first one and enjoyed it, too. Uh, that's the one movie I would say more than anything. Like, go to your race. You don't even have to see the first Sicario to get it, but it would help just because of how interesting the Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin characters are. And the movie came out and was a pretty big hit, so I think we're finally going to get Sicario 3 as well. Um, a couple others, like Creed 2 didn't get a chance to do a review on it. You know, my brother and I saw that not nearly as good as Creed one. I mean, Ryan Coogler who did black Panther made a much better movie with the first Creed. Uh, but as a Rocky fan, like this was a sequel to Creed while also being a sequel to Rocky four. And it is just more fun. 
uh, kind of like the Rocky sequels. It's not quite playing it with depth. You know, the way that the first Creed, it, you know, it could have gotten a Best Picture nomination. It probably should have. Stallone did get a Best Supporting Actor nomination. This one's more entertaining, but I think it's still like a really solid movie. Another one that probably, like, I would replace a lot of those Best Picture nominees with it. Um, Fallen Kingdom, I'll agree with you. I mean, it's a dumb movie, uh, but it was fun. And I, I did get the 3D Blu-ray just because um, oh, I got it for cheap. <laughs> I didn't pay, like, $40 <laughs> for it. Uh but it's not bad, and more than anything, it does have me interested in the uh, the third Jurassic World. Um, Solo, I think, got better on a second viewing. Ant Man the Wasp, I thought was okay. Uh, I'm just kind of running through ones that we some we did review, some we didn't. Um, I forgot Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, that was average. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I if we were to re-review that now, I might lean closer to a bin. Uh, but I mean, I'd have to rewatch again. Bumblebee, which I recorded with one of my nephews, which he sort of said he wanted to see Bumblebee and none of his brothers wanted to go. I'm like, well, I'll go see it. Why not? Uh, and he came and we saw Bumblebee and he, you know, slept over at my house for the night. And I was just shocked because I, I think I, I loved Transformers growing up. Uh, I liked the first movie, hated all the sequels. And like, no joke, Bumblebee is such a good movie. I would put it up there among my favorite movies from last year. And that's from somebody who's not a fan of the Transformers movie. It is like really good um, and, and uh, like like shockingly good. Um, I'm, I'm scanning through all these movies here. Again, I agree with you. There's not a lot that stands out. Pacific Rim Uprising was fun, but again, that's not like a great movie. The Predator was pretty good, but maybe a little bit too comical. Um, Widows was big disappointment. Uh, I thought that was one of the ones that has shown up on a lot of top 10 lists. That's one with Viola Davis and Liam Neeson plays her husband. Showed up on a lot of top 10 lists. Had the director of 12 Years a Slave, who, you know, obviously won Best Picture a couple of years ago. Really disappointing for me. Um, yeah, overall, I think I'd walk away from this year thinking, like, I think we have maybe a handful of movies that I really love and could watch year after year, like Mission Impossible Fallout, Sicario, Day of the Soldado, um, Maybe Avengers Infinity War could be thrown in there. Uh, I'd put Black Klansman in there, First Reform. But yeah, it's just, it's such a downer year, which is why it's amazing we've talked as long as we have on this year. <laughs> well, let's be honest. The best one that we did last year was The Room, and it wasn't even from 2018. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, we don't really have anything else to cover unless there's anything that we missed here. Um, no, I think we have basically, you said we're going to go as long as an Academy Award winning, uh, Academy <laughs> Award ceremony and we're about two and a half hours <laughs> in. So fuck, we're doing well. So if you want, you can, uh, follow along with our tallies, um, root for Capernaum along with us, uh, and RBG. period, RBG. RBG, RBG, and what is it, period, question mark, and <laughs> sentence, uh, all of our favorites, uh, as well, what, well, I don't know what day we're on here, we're probably at about a week away from, what, maybe one week away from starting our, uh, bad movie month, aren't we? Yeah, we're March, um, we're about a week or so, so yeah, no, we're, we're right there, so, um, gosh, we're, we're, we got, we've been so sidetracked with these. We went to be so many months ahead of this year, haven't we? And we're, we're kind of fucking around with that, aren't we? Oh, well. Yeah. Um, I already forgot what our first one was. Is, is it, it's not the oh. Emoji Movie. Uh, well, no, it was the Emoji Movie. That was first, wasn't it? No. No, no Pluto Nash. Uh, Pluto Nash. So, <laughs> coming up, starting next week, we're going to be getting back to our regular movie recaps. Um, and we're doing Bad Movie Month again. 
and we got the adventures of pluto nash to kick it off uh following that we're gonna have in no particular order because i can't remember the order we recorded them in <laughs> the emoji movie um the cat in the hat and the book of henry which is the one that uh i was most excited about because nobody's seen this movie and it is so bad uh, so bad movie but then we got other exciting things to come up as well which we better get started on recording them. Um, probably not yeah, today. Let's... We went for two and a half fucking hours. But exactly. <laughs> well, that yeah, we got some more months to record in advance here, and uh, hopefully we don't get sidetracked on bad Oscar movies like uh, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Anyways, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever else. Uh, tune in next week. Tune in tomorrow for the Academy Awards and see if I can beat Ben again. Uh, my name is Colin and justice for women in the feminine hygiene industry. And my name is Ben and RBG. RBG. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>